Hello, everyone. Welcome to another edition of the Pioneer Perspective. And as always, my name is Brad, joined by Alex. Alex, say hello. Hello. And we are also joined by a two-time world champion. It's Epic. Hey, he won the Invitational twice for the MTG at Home Discord server, as well as the Playaway Discord server, which this episode and show is brought to you by. If you want to play some Paper Magic with us, hop in the Discord server, which the link will be available in the description. Play some Paper Magic with us. Otherwise, hi, Epic. I know you said hi already. Hello. Proper introduction. Here you go. Of course, uh, as we go live, or as we're about to go live, we got a nice little notification be like, hey, deck lists are up. Because, you know, we had the issue last week with MTG, uh, MTGO and Wizards not actually publishing the lists. And we're like, this is great. We can actually talk about some Pioneer stuff. Literally every format has been published except for Pioneer. What the f***? Why? Why? Yeah, it's like, I, I, I really don't get like, I didn't hear anything about the events not firing. They did. They did fire because I, I follow people on Twitter. I follow grinders. They're like, I topped eight. I top. I, I got second place. So it's like, I have no idea where these these lists go. It's just... Uh, is there just like an anti-pioneer bias here? <laughs> this is... This yeah, is, probably. Uh, I mean, we are the deadbeat child of the format. <sighs> it makes me sad. Well, we'll, 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 have, me we'll have our day. We'll have our day. Sooner rather than later. We're 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 not um we're not tiny leaders we're not frontier you know we'll we'll make it. Hey, frontier was pretty fun. Oh, frontier was so bad. I'll say it now. We're not gladiator. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, oh, what's the uh, what was the other one? Um, the one that lasted like a day, like a day. The the fake EDH one when the Walking Dead thing came out. Raw? No, no, the fake one where you can have a. Uh, Oh, uh, Captain. Yeah, Captain. Oh, yeah, Captain. Hey, uh, who's your Captain, Alex? You, apparently, to our pre, pre-podcast pre discussion. Oh. Let's not dig that up again, but we started recording very late because Brad got on this weird story about the NHL because he's the captain of his digital NHL team. Yeah, it's the uh, Broskis. B-R-O-S-K-I-S. We are an amazing 54-3-2 right now, so get f***ed. Yes. Okay, so we should probably talk about some magic, and uh, we do have Epic here, who loves to talk about magic. Epic, you are the premier Enchantress player. It even says so on your Discord handle, or tag. What What is that? Is that motto? What is it on Discord? Um, Pioneer Enchantress Expert. Yes, Pioneer Enchantress Expert. Self-proclaimed expert, by the way. Yeah, so of course. Yes, but no one else plays, so... And I've been playing it over a year, so and no one comes to the table. It's easy to be the expert if it's just you. <laughs> yeah, I mean, there's a couple others, but no one really plays it as much as I have from what I've seen. And it have they haven't joined the Discord where I own it, so yeah. Now, we obviously don't have any deck lists to go over. We could dissect your deck list and berate you for your choices. Though, you have sent me that deck list hundreds of times at this point. Every few months, it's just like, hey, I'm tweaking the mana base again. I'm like, what the f*** are you changing? You guys put so much math into your mana base. Like, it's unreal. By the, and I, I just, like, fiddle around with it and then start playing and then tweak it on the fly, which I feel like takes as much time as what you guys do, except I get to play Magic for testing and you guys look at an Excel sheet. So I feel like I've got the better process here. <laughs> so 
Well, uh, I won't spoil what you're playing, even though the deck was our live at this point. But um, for the Invitational coming up uh, this morning, actually, during my planning period from eight to nine, I actually spent the time working on Epic's uh, mana base and like fixing and tweaking it for him. And uh, it's a mess. Hey, I think I did a pretty good job. I got I got you. Oh, you you did. You did. I got you up to 90 plus percent on the majority of your cards that you need to be able to cast. Uh, the only one is like I, I had to like make someone suck somewhere. So Kalidus is like a 40% of like actually casting him. So like, sorry. That's what happens when you play technically six colors. So, and no Sylvian uh, carry added or uh, anything like that. So no, you have Nihilia's presence counts as every basic land type that, yeah, that, that works. Yeah. I, I saw that. And I was like, we need to make green. God, abundance growth would be so good for this format for these type of decks. That's the one mana one. That's yeah. That's just Nihilia's presence for one mana effectively oh yeah it's an enchantment so of course you're excited what about utopia sprawl utopia sprawl would be better it's 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 one mana spell that's really the key thing sprawl and wild growth are like crazy good because they're dorks you can't kill yeah but the issue with them in pioneer as right now would be mono green uh, specifically mono green devotion with um walkers yeah i mean like they would be so good in mono green because they'd be lanowar elves you can't push so that's the main issue there so you'd need to, like, put some form of restri- restriction, like a wild growth. You can only tap it for, like, it, tap for like, white or green, maybe? No, not green, um, blue. Rat. I guess you could. I mean, why can't we just get better answers overall? Eh, that could also work. I want path. No. Just give it to me. I don't care. I don't care at this point. Just give give, give me path. I think path is a tad too awful, but okay. What if, what if we printed a path to exile that literally said... You have to play this in mono white. Like it was on the rules text. You cannot play it as a splash color. You have to be mono white. Just like the moment, like if it says like you cannot cast this card if a if a um, if a land you control could produce a different color of mana or something. Yeah, like that. I'm sure you could. Like you can make it work. You could do that. I just want white like, rules wise. No, you have to use like the drain for build. Uh, drain life cast uh, for reference drain life is a very old spell it's one black and an x yeah you can only spend black mana to cast this spell yeah well like you have to use something along those lines uh, that you can't have to use, like only mana spent by pl- by planes planks i just i just really love the effect that that things that like yeah, you can only do it using black mana. Meanwhile, that's in the format where you had like Dark Ritual and Cabal Ritual. And it's like, oh no, if only I could generate a billion black mana. What an issue. <laughs> One thing we can quickly touch on, which I just remembered. We have more Strixhaven spoilers. Hooray! We have two. So do we want to talk about the good one or the bad first? Oh, I think they're both good. Oh, I want to. No, oh, oh. I want to know which one you think is the bad one or the good one. Okay, so, okay, uh, Alex, give us, uh, do you haven't pulled up yet? No? You, you slow? Yeah, I've, pu- I've pulled them up. We've got, um, I'll just go over both. We've got Kazmina, Enigma Sage, so finally showing some more story for Kazmina, uh, which first showed up in War of the Spork. Um, Legendary Walker, Kazmina, has a static... Each other planeswalker you control has the loyalty abilities of Kasmina. Plus two, scry one. Minus X, create a zero zero green and blue fractal creature token. Can anyone tell me what a fractal is? But anyway, put X plus one plus one counters on it, so you just make an XX token. Simic is the math 
college. So I think they're just really going into that. Yeah, but is it just going to like summon a living math equation? I fucking hope so. Could you imagine a floating math equation coming at you? <laughs> that token would be awesome. That's terrifying. Yeah, just... yeah, but it's also like it would scare a lot of people if math would be coming at you. You're playing magic. There's already a bunch of math. Right. So uh, I already went off to Great Star without mentioning the mana cost, I believe. It's one green blue, two and two starting loyalty. Plus two to scry one, minus X to create an XX token, effectively. Minus eight, search your library for an instant or sorcery card that shares a color with this planeswalker. Exile that card, then shuffle. You may cast that card without paying its mana cost. Worth noting, I think that means you don't have to do it immediately, or... Oh yeah, you do have to do it immediately. It doesn't say for as long as it remains exiled. But anyway, so it effectively gives this... Because let's be honest here, these loyalty abilities aren't super strong, but it gives them to other planeswalkers, which is really cool. And it effectively gives every planeswalker an ultimate, which gets very interesting when we talk about War of the Spark ones. But let's quickly touch on Professor Onyx, because Professor Black Mana was too on the nose, so we named her Professor Onyx, which is for Black Black, legendary planeswalker Liliana. Ooh, you can actually see her, like, headdress thing in the background of the art, like, hidden behind a curtain. Uh, hidden behind a veil. Ooh. She has also a static with a new keyword from Strixhaven. Magecraft. Whenever you cast or copy an instant or sorcery spell, each opponent loses two life and you gain two life. So that just for free gets stapled onto any instant or sorcery or any copy, uh, copy reminding us of uh, Roll from War of the Spark. Five starting loyalty, plus one. You lose one life. Look at the top three cards of your library, put one of them into your hand, and the rest into your graveyard. So strategic planning slash ransack the lab, which is actually in black. Anticipate is also a good example. Yeah, but that doesn't put it in your graveyard. And this actually puts it in a graveyard, which is like strategic planning or ransack the lab. Uh, minus three. Each opponent sacrifices a creature with the greatest power among creatures that players control. So, Soul Shatter, but it doesn't hit Planeswalkers. Minus eight, each opponent may discard a card. If they don't, they lose three life. Repeat this process six more times. Ironically enough, very reminiscent of Nickel Bonus. Torment of Hillfire, except they can't sacrifice null impermanence. Uh, but obviously, that is effectively win the game. If your opponent is empty-handed, which they might as well be if you're playing this game, they take 18. No, they take 21. They do the process seven total times. Oh, six, six more times. Yes, it actually ended up taking 21. So, look at that. Instant lethal. There's your game plan. Anyway, so, Epic, you said, do you want to talk about the good or the bad one? Which one's the good one? In my opinion, Kazmi is the good the one. Hmm. Yeah, I agree. I can agree because I feel like Professor Onyx is just kind of bad, but I wouldn't say Kasmina is great either. Well, my initial reaction to this was I completely had a stack. I just saw the Magecraft on um, Lily. I didn't check for Kasmina. I said, okay, the plus, the plus two scry is starting loyalty. It's one green blue. Um, we've had flashbacks recently. Vietnam flashbacks. So ignore it. Plus two scry one. That's pretty deep. Three mana, fine. Um, next, fine, really scary, and then the minus eight, if you can get up to it really quick, quickly, it can really get up there, um, notable in standard, for example, have the ultimatums, even Pioneer, you still have it. And then I said, the plus four is nice, immediately on turn four, it's at four loyalty, a very good starting loyalty for any Planeswalker coming down turn three. But 
And then I went back to go reread the card because I saw discussions about it doing more things. And then I realized, oh, there's all these statics to something else. And it this is going to be very difficult to remove from the board once down. Like the plus two every turn, we saw how powerful that's with Oko. Granted, Oko started at loyalty and Kazmina starting at two. But if you don't answer it on turn three or even turn two, if it comes down, you're going to have issues that's off the battlefield efficiently. I mean, you have Fry Red to can't be counted, deal five to a Planeswalker, but it may not be enough. You've got to eliminate. I feel like dealing four damage in the first, like pressuring this is easy enough because it's starting loyalty is two. It is. Which I think is a good thing, by the way. Like, it, it definitely feels like in reach. It feels in reach, but if you don't answer it quickly, you're in a you're in a lot of trouble, and this is going to slide into combo or control oriented as where it's able going to be able to protect her. Scry one is so weak, though. It's like that is the bare minimum they can print on a card. Like I cannot imagine. Is there an a bar like your opponent loses one life, but that makes no sense in green? Bar like gain one life. Is there less that a loyalty ability can do than Scry one? Maybe put a plus one plus one counter to your control. I think that 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 affects the board though. That might actually be better because you yeah. can down tick to make a creature and then start pumping it. It might actually like become a thing. Like Scry One is just like so minimal. And yeah, like, obviously the ultimate's good, but I wouldn't build a deck around it. Like, oh yeah, I'm gonna put an ultimatum in here in case I ult my Cosmina. Like, yikes. I mean, the only <laughs> thing that could be worse is if it just said plus two, discard a card. <laughs> That's all it was. Yeah, like, it could just say plus two, lol. Which I'm actually, <laughs> no, the discard a card might be like really good in some decks. Yeah. <laughs> Stupid as that is. Um, plus one, put an extra loyalty on this planeswalker. It's like the red Chandra, the three mana one. Yeah. Which effectively says zero, gain a loyalty. Yeah, it was just plus one. Then nothing. No text. Just plus one, no text. So else to know about this, um, you mentioned it re earlier, actually, was the um, Warless Park planeswalkers as well, which is where this gets interesting, as with, especially with the, the uncommons. Um, the two that come to mind are Narset, and Kiora. Kiora's down, like, starts at, she starts at 7, and it's one untapped target permit. Um, Kazmina and her work really well together. I'm curious um, whether or not... I think we can add Devriel to that list. Maybe Devriel, but I don't think you want to be playing like a tight discard deck. That that feels more... That I, I don't think Devriel's going to be enough. Devriel simply isn't good enough. Um, but where Kiora gets interesting, especially in... Um, Pioneer is you have Lotus Field, and this this can untap your your thing. This can untap your Lotus Field, and then the following turn you just down tick, you get ultimate, and you get um draw half your deck, lose half your life. That spell. Yeah, but Kiora starts on seven loyalty. Do you really need to add to that? The only thing I can actually see the second ability being more interesting with Kiora, because you just minus four Kiora. You get a 4-4, and it triggers Kiora, and it draws you a card. Yeah. I feel like that's almost more interesting than the other one. I don't know, like, obviously, Kiora is kind of a bad card anyway, right? I can see... Not in Commander. I can see the thing for Narset, to some extent. But to be, uh, but there's also where, like, Narset's already, like, so good. 
do I want to put a card in my deck that by itself is actually kind of bad to make my great card better? So originally, my first thought for this card was like, I, I agree with you on paper by itself. I'm like, this card is just not great by itself. It, it needs a supporting cast or it needs to support a cast. So I immediately thought of uh, Four Color Fires because that one already plays four Narset anyway. And then being able to like play both this and Narset in the same turn, potentially with Fires, is pretty cool. Um, it filters through the deck, which an 80-card deck probably wants to do a lot. I like, I like, I like giving a plus to Luca that yep. isn't like useless. And, and it's a plus two instead of a plus one. Not but. for nothing. What does Fires love to do? They love making tokens. You can down, you can down tick on just minus one. You get a transmogrifier or a Luca target. That's something that, that it works in the deck. Um, now the minus eight, not quite as relevant in that deck. Um, maybe you can tutor out a, uh, just rule of thumb, just never value planeswalker spider ultimate. Yeah. Like. Um, if you really wanted to, you could be like, I'm going to throw in one insert sorcery in the deck, but you don't need to, you don't. Now there is a planeswalker that I'm actually really intrigued by that curves nicely that I'm more intrigued about this in standard than anything, to be honest. But, uh, it's, it's Teferi master of time. Yes. Being able to, uh, uh, it's a plus two. That's a quick ultimate, I guess. And Teferi only ticks up to loot, right? Yeah. Which is like better than scry, but like, I would probably want an extra loyalty and then I'm fine getting a scry rather than a loot. What about a um? What about a a Nexus type of deck in Pioneer with like a fog, like Fog, uh, Kazmina, Teferi, Master of Time, and like all runs Epiphany? I just feel like that wouldn't be great because the the, the thing with Teferi, Master of Time, is obviously his ultimate's the card Time Stretch, and Time Stretch is like especially like in Commander, it's like if you resolve a Time Stretch and you don't win the game your deck's probably pretty bad. Like, that's generally, like, the rule of thumb with time, with time stretch. But, like, how is a taking turns deck ever set up to abuse taking two turns after so much setup? Might as well just play two turn spells rather than one. Yeah. Which I yeah. have seen mono and blue we... taking turns in Pioneer a couple of times, and I might want to build that deck because it looks really kind of cool. And we don't have Nexus anymore, and the thing that made Nexus so powerful is that it went back into your deck. Yeah, so... Um, you can just infinitely go Nexus, 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 and then, like, do you do, like, the... If you're doing Bant, you do Big Teferi uh, Ultimate, and then just get rid of your entire opponent's board. So... Now, Allrun's Epiphany would be really cute in uh, in, a, in the traditional Nexus deck, because now you can run in this one of Auron's Epiphany just to get the two tokens. Yeah, that would be your win con rather than like the bounce spell or something. Yeah. Your win con is just... It's like, okay, two damage, two damage, two damage, two damage. <laughs> I would... I would get... I'd actually... I would respect that game plan far more than the Teferi ult thing. Um, but yeah, I, I think this card is good as a supporter for a deck like Fires. Um, and then, of course, Narsa. Yeah, but maybe, like, I can imagine you squeeze in, like, a copy in, like, an empty hole in the deck, and you're like, yeah, I can I can fit one. Maybe I two. mean, the deck already runs, um, what's it called? Uh, Nahiri from Shadows. Um, runs, like, two of those. They're, Nahiri from Shadows is good. It's fine. 
Like I, I but it, it does. It, it this would fit the same role as that. It's a supporting card that you don't run a full playset of, and like other versions also ran. No, no, but Nahiri's fantastic removal. It's so like exiling creatures artifacts. Granted, they need to be tapped, which is especially awkward with some artifacts. And exiling enchantments just like adds like some an almost like catch all style card that much more fits your game plan than a card like Banishing Light would. Yeah. And then getting an agent of treachery, like if you get to ult it, which is really fast, getting an agent of treachery, stealing a card, and then bouncing it back to your hand is actually better than it staying on the field most of the time. Right? When you're already at the point where you're ultimating Nahiri. So, like, I think Nahiri's like actively kind of great. And I feel like Nahiri's low key a great card. Which I wouldn't say about this. This is fine. It can fill a it can fill a spot. It can find a niche, which I will say is like very welcome design for three mana planeswalkers. Right? Three mana planeswalkers being designed with like this can find a niche is a more fun way than like I can't wait to go to like War of the Spark to Electric Boogaloo, right? Man, if Oko just started at two loyalty like this did, or this does, and it's beast within was a minus instead of a plus oh my god oko would be playable like and i'd be fine with it i i mean yeah if you changed half the card it would probably be balanced but <laughs> oh yeah i know but it, it's but it, it i know it's changing half the card but there's such glaring issues where it doesn't it's weird that your removal on a card is a plus and it's weird that like it jumps to six out of fry range immediately like it, it's so I mean, Fry is just like a pathetic magic card. All right, you're a pathetic magic card, Mr. Grix's player. Fry is just a sad <laughs> magic card. By the way, I Grix, I can play Noxious Grass. That card's great. It kills uh, killed Oko, right? Main decking, Noxious Grasp, great time in standard. Yeah. No, yeah, that was great. I remember main decking those, and you're like, why? <laughs> main decking, Mystical Dispute, Aether Gust, and Noxious Grasp. You're like, this is a good format. <laughs> Oh, we're healthy. It's a healthy <laughs> format. But yeah. Um, but touching on the other card for a little bit, Professor Onyx. And sorry, I cannot take that seriously. First of all, someone someone commented like, oh, I can't wait for the spoiler of Professor Steelix. And then I just lost. It. All right. We got to get this out of the way, though. All right. She's hot. All right. Continue. That's that's it. Sure. It's it's Liliana. She's hot. Like the like. complete dominatrix someone said uh, bayonetta vibes and i was like yeah that makes sense it's the hair and the dress that she's wearing is kind of off-putting she does looks like bayonetta i don't know okay now that i've got like hires i can actually like see this is probably liliana but i had a really hard time even visually being like is this liliana yeah the the hair up into like the, the the big bun is cool um also like the spiky dress is nice uh, there is a Shadows card in the background as an Easter egg. I don't remember what the name of it is. The, the shitty... Yeah, that green the green thing. Oh, is it a brain in a jar or something? No, 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 no. It's not that. It's um, oh, it's better. It's a better little Easter egg. Because in, in the flavor text says, like, um, it says uh, something about spirits or whatever um, not being savable unless you, like, give them the chance or some shit or, like, redeemable. Um it's it's pretty a pretty cool Easter egg for a, a pretty unplayable card from Shadows. I while you guys evaluate it, I'm going to look for said card. So anything that really excites me is Minecraft. Um, I'm yeah, 
I play Max in Commander and I do run Rao. And just being able to have the additional weight to have bets for copying spells, which we don't really see often. The only copy spells that we or copy pair we've seen recently is again Rao from Water Spark and Lucky Clover from Eldraine that copied your spells. We haven't really seen any other payoffs for copy spells, although we've seen a lot of things for um, casting instances in source. So that's going to be really interesting. Um, the plus, this obviously this looks like a lot more a more design for your control decks and playing it as a bent. Um, the plus one is fun. It, you lose a life, which is not really what you want to be doing in control, I think. You really value a life total and she, if you're against like aggro decks and you want to make sure that you don't actively die. But looking at the top three with a strategic planning is very good. The next three, six mana, six mana for a three mana. Is that really good? I'm not sure. Maybe because you can plus and then down tick, down tick. Maybe it's good, but that's we're talking about over to three turn cycle. And then the negative eight wins you the game, but in control, you already have Ashiok that use that wins you the game. You already have other things that win you the game. I mean, like six mana planeswalker that you ultimate to win the game is like, yeah. We, we, there, like, there's like 15 to pick from. So it, 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 it doesn't make the card except. No, I mean, let's get out of the way. Like, in terms of for a control deck, I think even for standard, but I don't play enough standard. This card's bad. Right? Like, the plus one isn't exciting enough. The removal option is bad. Right? The, the fact that it's not Soul Shatter, like, is like a very big difference to me. Yeah. I'd rather play Liliana Dreadhorde General instead of this. Yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah. I would much rather play Liliana Dreadhorde General. Like, that card is, in my opinion, like, way better. I think it starts at 6 loyalty, too, rather than 5. See if it's high starting loyalty. Uh, it's plus protects itself, which is much better. The down to kill two creatures, and then the ultimate just says, I win. Yeah, the down to kill two creatures is great. Yeah, and yeah, and again, and the ultimate is, I win. Like, every one of them. Um... Clearly, since dropping the chain veil, Liliana's had a downgrade, right? That's just what this card shows. Like, got rid of the chain veil and look at how much worse the next card is. But actually, Waker of the Dead, but that was time walking stuff, I think. Um, Unless there's some form of infinite combo. Unless there's some form of infinite combo, Agecraft in Pioneer or, or in the other formats, that's where it's. Yeah, yeah, okay. We have. Is it like recurring smog or something? Yes. That is the... Yeah, the two mana, um, make a copy. Uh, yeah. Chain of Smog. So, yeah, what people have been talking about is a card Chain of Smog, which says, target player, uh, one and a black, target player discards two cards. That player may copy that spell and choose a new target for that copy. Now, this is a card from Onslaught, so it's not even modern legal. But you can just, even though your hand is empty, you could just pick yourself as the target. So, discard two, I'll copy it, target myself. Discard two, copy myself, target myself as a copy, which means you deal infinite damage with this out. Um, now, I don't even think that necessarily matters for discard, but I, I guess in EDH it could work. This is a two-card combo that costs eight mana. You already have Kigajiki, Deceiver, Exarch. Yeah. Yeah, but this is going to be much scarier. I mean, and this is moving away from Commander, but moving into, like, you know, I mean, I guess, again, Chain of Smog, but there might be a similar card with a process like this. This get much scarier, but like a three mana permanent that just pings for one. For example, like it it gets because this is you know drain two, which means that it's like 
very inefficient in a way for just using this in an infinite loop. Because if you're doing an infinite loop, you don't need two damage. One is enough. It doesn't matter if you're gaining life, you're about to win the game. So I can imagine this being on a much cheaper permanent. And that then also being a very good effect. In that sense, Magecraft seems like an exceptionally powerful keyword, depending on what it's put on. Yeah, I think we'll get a un um, three in a red uncommon gunite that also gives you copy effects. Yeah, like, I mean, I feel like Magecraft, the part to me that seems set is like whenever you cast or copy an instant or sorcery spell, comma. Yeah. And then whatever happens. So I'm interested in what type of cards we're going to see this on. Because if I see this, I can imagine there's like an another instant that just says Magecraft exile this to drain two, for example. Like, I don't know if it works in the graveyard. Does this even work? Is there like a card that like works on the stack? Like when this is on the stack and you're like layering spells on top of it, like sort of encouraging you to storm off. Like, would it work in that way? Like, I, I feel like Magecraft, depending on what it's worded and what type of cards it's put on, can be like a very flexible mechanic. Oh yeah, this is a extremely flexible mechanic. Um, another good example is, at least in modern, I forget the name off the top of my head, but um, there is a, there's Death Shadow and it plays Dublin Denial. That's the name of the card. Um, it, it has Ferocious on it instead. So if you have a creature power four grid for a one mana four spike, you have a one mana counter spell if you have Ferocious. So we could see something along those. Yeah, like we we could we can see like cards with like very significant upgrades, uh, depending on how you trigger this Magecraft, what exactly it means. But I think the the main deciding factor is just going to be not even what the payoff is, what card is providing the Magecraft. But if we're talking from a control deck perspective, your Magecraft payoff being a six mana permanent is not great, right? If you want to have, if you want to play a control deck, you know, you're playing like thirty instants and sorceries, you want your Magecraft payoff to be something that shows up early in the game and accumulates this long term value. Again, you could have like. Let's say, like, you play, like, a one-mana enchantment that, like, I don't know, or, like, a two-mana enchantment, I guess, because for one-mana, uh, whatever. Like, two-mana enchantment comes in, draws you a card, and from now on, whenever you cast an instant or sorcery, you gain one life. Right? That's, that's the type of thing a control Magecraft deck would want. But perhaps Magecraft would be, like... Because to me, this kind of seems like keywording prowess in the way they would want to. Because we saw this in Dominaria when they... Was it Dominaria? I believe they got rid of Prowess. And we saw like cards like... Is it like Elisa the Cinderwind? What's the three mana? Um, from Dominaria, dude. The three mana wizard. Help me out, Brad. Adelise. Adelise the Cinderwind. Um, who had like this sort of like fixed Prowess because it no longer triggered of like enchantments and artifacts and that sort of thing. And that's what Magecraft seems like. Which gives me the vibe it's going to be on a lot of creatures. But... Yeah, I, I just really hope they, like, push this mechanic in terms of, like, what they do with it. Because I would be very disappointed to see this mechanic do nothing. Because I'm super hyped for Magecraft. Yeah, almost... Because I love instants and sorceries. Yeah. And so with just after coming off from Kaldheim, which has some very... Which had other mechanics, but none of them really had, like, a ton of depth as well. Yeah, so I. It's fun. It's it's just like because Magecraft, 
if if a deck can be built around like a couple of interesting magecraft abilities, which is like just more interesting than prowess, obviously the issue with instant sorceries is always that they never stick. So they never really like net you. Like you're never gonna get more out of an instant or sorcery than what it says on the card, because after you cast the card, it's gone, right? A creature, if it's a two mana two two, it could do two damage, four damage, six damage, eight damage, depending for how long it lasts around. Which is like the inherent weakness of instant and sorceries. That's why in a game like Hearthstone or even in a game like Magic, it's very hard to build a deck that is like exclusively instant and sorceries that wins games, because your deck can only like do X. And then there's, like, it doesn't go any further. And I feel like Magecraft is an ability that can really break that open if it's printed on interesting cards. I mean, the main one I'm interested in seeing it on other instances of sorceries and seeing what that does. Yeah. Even, like, I don't know, one and a red, right? Something that does just one, I mean, just one red, deal one damage to any target. Magecraft, pay one life, return this to your hand. We're going to see, like, a uh, Punishing Fire type of Magecraft card. That could be super cool. Oh, Brad, did you find your card? Potentially broken, but... What? Did you find your card, or are you still having cultures? Dude, I cannot find it. I cannot find it. What color was it? I I thought it was just an artifact, and I looked at both uh, Eldric Moon and um, uh, Shadow's uh, artifact list, like, for, like, the set, and it's not in either. So... I don't know if it's like... Are you about the one on the left or the one on the right? The the, the green um, one that he thought Brad, was green in the jar. Have you tried looking at original Innistrad? Ooh, I should... Because maybe it's a reference to there. Original Innistrad, Dark Ascension. I do think it was one? an older looking card. It's original Innistrad, Dark Ascension, and then it's another one in the original Let's take book. a look. Avacyn Restored. That's the uh, the third um, one in original Innistrad. Other... Is it the, the multicolor left-hand side, or is it like the big green one, or the bluish sticking up it's in the, the middle? It's the bluish, like the turquoise one. Okay. It's not brain in a jar. I feel like while we do this research, I could just ask you guys, have you guys seen the commander decks, or the, the, the faces of the commander decks, where we got three out of five? Those are out. Together with the other news. Yeah, the the the, the faces of like the sort of like head guys of every house are um, going to be commander decks. Um, I'll try and find it. It was... Uh, we've got... I'm I'm just going to go with the colors because I don't know the names yet. We've had Boros, Golgari, and Izzet. And in terms of, like, how they look, I feel like when we first talked about Strixhaven, I was a bit disappointed that I felt like this is literally just guilds. But these three definitely look different, especially the Izzet one. The Izzet one looks amazing. Because the... Um, while I try and look this up... Strixhaven Commanders... Um, the... Um, yeah, so the, the Strixhaven Commanders, they have a very different vibe. And especially the Izzet one is very much music-focused. Where I felt like the command, with all the purple and stuff, still gave me like a sort of like technology vibe. But then when you saw the commander, it's like, no, this is really like a music theme, which, and not like techno music, but like instruments that play themselves type of music, which I think is like a very different way. To yeah, I see it. them now. So we have the boroughs, we have the, what's the one in the middle? I've got a print screen of a video, so that, that'll have to do. And I'll just find you the quick one, because otherwise I'm going to have to pause a hundred times. And this actually had 
a couple of um yeah, so the commander decks that uh, that came in. So again, we've got Golgari, Boros, and Izzet. But alongside this news, I've got this from the Commander's Quarter, who does like this news thing. Um, what we've also had confirmed is that we're going to get the enemy cycle of Elder Dragons. Now, what hasn't been confirmed is where we get them. The, the obvious one is they're going to be in Strixhaven, either in the commander decks, but not be the face of the deck, which I would be would be surprised by. But also putting a full five dragon cycle in the main set might take like too much away from the set. So I'm questioning where they're going to show up. But the way they worded it, they could even be in Modern Horizons too. Like we we don't know where they're going to show up. Obviously, none of the other ones make sense. It would be very strange for them to show up in Forgotten Realms or Innistrad. But seeing them show up like outside of this Strixhaven constructed set could be a thing. Um, but it's trying to finish the cycle as opposed to the ally colored uh, Tarkir ones. I could see the um the Elder Dragons, the um the half the cycle is as you're saying, they could very much well be in um the D D world because there are dragons in D D and even the most of them are monocolored. Yeah, but but the houses are named after them. Right, that's true. The, the, the Strixhaven houses are named after the dragons that founded them. So I would be very surprised if they show up in the D&D set later, because it's it's hard to tie them, because how would they travel across the plains? Unless we're really gonna, like, pull a Voring Klax on everything. And I also feel like they would be very out of place, because they would be named after locations that, like, wouldn't really be there. Like, I guess they could show up and the D&D one, because, well, half of the name is literally dragons. But, I don't know, I feel like they have to cram so much in the D&D set already. <laughs> yeah, they're going to bring back Party, they're going to have the Elder Dragon somehow. Yeah, but even just, like, the references, right? There's so many D&D yeah. references to make. Do you really want to cram in more IP? We get a bag of holding green print. <laughs> that would be great. Hey, we have to, right? I mean, uh... Oh, uh, by the way, before we go off uh, any, any further, I found the card. 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 It's Vessel. Original Innistrad? No, it's in Shadows of Innistrad. It's a white card. It's an enchantment. But, like, it looks like it should... It's. I sent it in the chat. It looks like it should be an artifact, like at first glance. But Vessel of Ephemeria. Uh, Ephemeria? Ephemera. I, I can't read. Geist seeking redemption must first be given the opportunity. Yeah. So what you're saying... Is that Liliana still... Well, actually, it makes me think, who's in there? I don't know. That's on her desk, just chilling. Yeah, because you'd think, like, hey, maybe I shouldn't be as much of an ass anymore. I mean... But I guess she's still like, nah, except for this guy. Screw this guy. <laughs> or screw these people, whoever are in. And I like the flavor of it, because, like, sacrificing it, you break the vessel. Like, I imagine you smashing on the ground, and the, the two spirits come out. Because you make two tokens. Five mana for two tokens. Yeah. But flavor. But it's an enchantment. Oh yeah, it's an enchantment. Now now Epic's interested. Hey, but this triggers constellation, guys. <laughs> this is a bad enchantment. I don't know what you guys hey, You know what spirit we should be playing in uh, Blue White Spirits and Pioneer? Toppelgeist. That's a spirit. For those of you who don't know, because Alex looked at me like, what the f*** is that card? 
It is a one-one for one in white. Oh, the flying spirit. The delirium one. Yeah. Yeah. When top of guys enters the battlefield, top uh, tap target creature and opponent controls. Delirium at the beginning of each opponent's upkeep. If there are four more card types among, uh, among cards in your uh, graveyard, tap target creature the player controls. Or that player controls. Imagine playing this in a deck that literally cannot achieve delirium. Yeah. Because it only runs creatures, instants, and lands. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And how do you even get the lands in your graveyard? Hope your opponent, Colligan, commands you? <laughs> um, this is what you do. You, uh, you keep a one-lander with no one drops on the draw and you discard the hand size. Okay, and then you're two turns behind in Pioneer and that basically you. Yeah. That's a death sentence at that point. No, no, you win. Nah, it's fine. Yeah, you win. But you get to occasionally tap a creature epic. Occasionally? Yeah, I mean, you need to achieve delirium to get one tap per turn, but Hey. Okay, okay, I understand. We splash black, we go into Esper Spirits, and then we play Stitcher Supplier. Perfect. <laughs> no. You on t- t- the, your turn one spirits is Mausoleum Wanderer or the other spirit, which is also bad. Epic, we're messing with you. We're not building Orzov Spirits. <laughs> I know. Orzov Spirits, you say? No blue? I'm actually on board. Oh, no, with no, no. <laughs> We're playing Orzov Spirit. Hey, Orzov who, Zombie Spirit. Who spirits. needs Lords? Who needs them? Yeah. You, just, you need Stitcher Supplier. We just uh, play Metallic Mimic. Perfect. I'm just trying to keep this podcast chain of rocks, that's all. Uh, uh, uh. Not our style. <laughs> Don't like it. Oh. Don't like it. Right. I do have chain. Oh, um, I know this is kind of all over the place because we were talking about D&D and I was talking about this f- card. <laughs> but uh hey we got our poll results alex for uh what your grixis deck is gonna be playing against in the gauntlet oh so we put up a poll on both twitter and on the uh the reddit uh and we added them together to see what the uh, the ones were and i essentially put up four um pairings of decks and uh the top two voted for pairings would be the four that alex would have to go against in the gauntlet I'll be playing the respective four decks. I'll be Alex will be playing uh, his Grixis Control. The winners are with the most votes out of any out of all of them. Like it, it over doubled everything else. Rakdos Pyromancer and Azoria Spirits. That is the first pair. So that sounds fun. I get to thought seize you three times in a turn. <laughs> I, I really like that. Um. And the other one, this was close. It was, it was almost four four color fires in Lotus Field, but sneaking away at the end of it was Orzov Auras and Jun Citadel, which is probably the worst. Hey, those might be my. Are those my two votes? No, I voted for both of those. In both polls, I voted for Orzov Auras and Citadel. I voted for that one. You want to play against that? Oh, you, you you run main deck Soul Shatter, so Orzov Ors isn't as scary. Yeah, like I I already come prepared for that without teching for this gauntlet. I already came prepared for that Sitzendigar. I feel like the Junt matchup became a lot better now that I take less damage from my mana base because the games tended to be very close. Um, like when we tested afterwards, when I changed my mana base, it made me more confident because I kept winning on like four or five life. It's like, hey, you know, this really like made made a big difference. And it was also like, what were the other ones? Because I really just didn't want to play against Lotus. So I was like, I'm going to vote for anything but Lotus. <laughs> That's for starters. The pairings listing was uh, first Rakdos Pyromancer and Blue White Spirits. 
Then it was Mono Black Vampires and Demir Control. Uh, you just didn't want to play a control mirror. I didn't want to play the mirror. <laughs> yeah. Uh, Four Color Fires, Lotus Field, and then Orzhov Wars, Gen Citadel. And uh, Alex, I think I'm going to sneak in a fifth deck that you have to play against. Uh-oh. I'm not giving you an option. Four Color Omna? It's Boros Burn. Oh, Boros Burn. Oh, my God. You just want to. <laughs> me to lose. Because <laughs> I forgot to include Boros Burn, which was like one of your worst matchups. <laughs> so, so I'm just like, why did I not put that in the list? I have it in paper. Now I can just be like, well, we have a fifth challenger. I'm sorry. I don't make the rules, Alex, even Except though I do, do. But you have to play <laughs> <laughs> you have to play Boros Burn. Which that should be fun. Uh moving back to talking about Strixhaven spoilers. Epic, I want to hear your take on the five commands. Oh, that's right. That's the worst. Um, so I guess we'll start with um Warhold Command. Um, again, this is a three red one for a instant. You can choose two. Um, just like with all of these, all all these are commands where you can choose two. Um, create three two red and white spear creature token. Creatures you control get plus one plus zero oh, and gain indestructible and hit turn of turn. Um, Helix anything which is deal three gain. Three. Uh, but you can choose a target player. So possibly can come up but probably not and then the other one is sack a permanent draw two cards this is a boros deck it's a five mana boros card there's nothing that you can get around that it feels a little weak in all honesty i think the best two is this is going to go into some form of troll deck when it's all said and done because it is mana and because of that, you really look at the Lightning Helix effect and the Superman Draw 2, where it can refand. I know Braddock, when these originally came out, it's not that, it doesn't feel good in any Boros aggro deck, like a 5 mana heroic intervention. Even in standard, that felt at the time. Um, only remember that because I, I went back to watch some old Magicos, and that's what was being played. Um, so, yeah, those are my thoughts on that. Prismari Command is a one blue red instant to um, shock anything and then faithless looting, create a treasure token, and destroy target artifact. Um, for reference, tra- faithless looting is draw two discard two. So this is an instant speed um, draw two discard two, which is interesting. The ability to deal two to anything is nice. That is a removal. Sp- Anything that says remove something is automatically better because you're interacting with your opponent, trying to hinder them of what you want to be doing. This is this feels more of a tempo strategy of what you want to be doing. It's all like a Colgan's command because of the destroyed artifact shock something. But on this upside, you you have the ability to draw to then discard to. Um, what's in here is you can actually nice at someone where they draw one discard to. Where maybe that can be relevant in the draw step. And create treasure, you just you spend one mana to do that. Spend the treasure that if you spend mana to make a treasure, you're basically filtering that one mana into whatever color you need in the future. And then look at the rest of these and is is two mana worth it for the and for most part, yeah. So this is very good from my perspective. Um never Quandrix command, which is one green blue, it's a rare. Instant, choose to and return a creature or planeswalker to its owner's hand. You can count artifact or enchantment spell. Um, you get the two plus one plus one counters on, on target creature. 
which is any creature to be exact. And target player shuffles up to three cards from their library into the guard. So last one is Gaia's Blessing without the shuffle back effect, which is two mana, but it's fine. Nothing super exciting. The put two plus one plus counters on a creature, again, you need to be actually doing something. Um, the accounting and artifact on enchantment spell, it really depends on how the artifacts and enchantments are going to be in the set. And because artifacts and enchantments are relatively underpowered right now with the banning of like Wilderness Reclamation, for example. And then the balance of creature or enchant, no, not enchantment, a planeswalker rather. Okay, this is a very good in like slowing down and hinder hindering your opponent's plan, or as a late game, you're, you're putting more cards back library to end. It's good as it's good in the early game, as well as the late game. There's a lot of versatility. Is it going to be good? I think it really depends on the counter-target artifact or enchantment spell, because that's where things get interesting, because the tempo of balancing something for three mana is just not that good. Um, next, I have Silver Quill Command. Choose two, creature gets plus three, plus three, and flying in turn. This is a sorcery, mind you. Um, return to a creature card with man with CD two or less from your graveyard to the battlefield. Player draws a card, loses a life, and target opponent sacks a creature. I actually like this. Just around, it's good. Like, you make a creature hit a lot harder and deal a lot more damage than usual. You return this. The second ability is almost like claim from claim to fame from Amon Ket, I believe, where you just get to return a creature, which is usually good because it's two mana on, on its own. The third one is draw lose a life. Have, doing like a two draw card lose a life are the spells that do. It. So it's fine, and then making an opponent sacks a creature is always just good, especially when they're on the fun foot. The issue with it again is it's a sorcery, not an instant. So you're playing this as like one mana spell. At that point, you can pull and sacrifice a creature of their choice. You really want to be doing that turn two instead of like a trial vision. Um, drawing a card, losing a life. I don't think you want to tap out on four and draw a card, lose a life. The Silver Quill command as recursive, recursive, recursion and giving something flying is where you're going to want to be playing it as a top end spell. Just the ability to bring back some and still deal a lot more damage. And then last, you have Witherbloom. Um, this is a green-black sorcery. Um, target player has three cards, then you return a land card from your graveyard to your hand. Destroy target non-creature, non-land permanent of CMC two or less. Target creature gets minus three, minus one to end the turn. And target opponent loses two life, you gain two life. So this is probably one of the better ones of the bunch because, because you're able to kill a creature make, and you gain a life or you have another threat. So all around, this is the one you're most likely going to be not around with is Witherbloom Command. I mean, not Witherbloom Command, um, the mill threat aspect. Simply because unless it actively moves your plan forward, such as um, Oflare, for example, you're really not going to want doing that. Destroy target non canonical parameter of CMC two or less. What's for two mana? That's pretty decent. I mean, equal. Main things that come into mind are what are the enchantment play right now. You have some sagas which go eventually. You have some other enchantments out there. Um, Sway, Baffling NC play. 
maybe a couple others, but not many um, non non creature non land perms with CMC two or less. Especially when you want to be playing this early on. You that's where this card is really good because you can kill kill a non land perm and kill an early game creature. The minus one is weak. Pioneer, um, a lot of key toughnesses is two or three. That's really where you like, trade with your creatures. And the one is going to be a little difficult sometimes. And then target opponent loses to you gain to life. On a two mana spell, it's fine. Now, I, f I feel like the, um, the discard is like almost even better than you describe it. Uh, I feel like the top one, the mill three, then return a land card is actually pretty great. Thinking decks like Dredgeless Dredge, that sort of thing. Especially because, I mean, the, the order, I think here, I guess it doesn't matter. Um, the main cards that I'm thinking of blowing up with this is like Gravedigger's Cage and Rest in Peace. Oh, I've completely forgot about those. These are like, if you go and play like a Dredgeless Dredge type strategy, this actually removes the most problematic permanence that you probably face. It even kills Scavenging Ooze, or Scavenging Ooze, Rest in Peace. Graph Digger's Cage, it forces a crack on a Soul Guide Lantern. Like, this is so good at stopping these... It can cause someone to, like, crack a Remorseful Cleric. Right? There's there's a lot of cards that are Graveyard Hate cards that are purposely cheap. Yeah, this says destroy it non-creature, non-land permanent. So you can't destroy your creatures. Oh, non-creature, non-land permanent. Oh, so no, I thought it was just non-land permanent, like uh, Abrupt Decay. Okay. But still, like, Graph Digger's Cage, Rest in Peace, Soul Guide Lantern, yeah. right? Uh, Force a Crack on the Tormod script. Those type of things are all good. It's going to be good in your graveyard-based strats. Like, your green-black graveyard decks are really going to want to play this. Yeah. The the only thing that's really annoying about it is that I believe in how it works. If you if there's a Rest in Peace out and you choose to... You cannot lose the mill three because the cards still end up in exile because it resolves in order. Mill three, they hit exile, then you blow up the rest in peace. So that's kind of annoying. But like in any other way, like, you know, like obviously the minus three, minus one is going to be hard to kill a creature with. But because you've already got that second mode, it would be kind of easy to get two for ones otherwise. And then like, I really just like the drain as like, in like a command style card, I really like always like, even like just life gain. Is something I think on like optional modal cards is yeah, always definitely. super strong. But I think Prismari Command and Witherbloom are probably the best to do. And it really, and Quandrix is going to be very good or very poor. It can see some play, but outside of that, it's a coin flip at that point. Yeah, and then like Silver Quill being fine and Lorehold being kind of bad. Yeah. I mean, you can, you can sack, it's going to be very good if you want to play in like four color fires and sack a token, draw two, and then lightning helix something. That's really where you see it, unless something new comes into play. I mean, fires definitely has to care less that this is a five mana card, because you're not paying the mana anyway. Yeah. You can actually sack the fires at like, once you get like done with the fires. It's like, yeah, I've got enough mana now. Oh. Oh yeah, you can sacrifice fires and draw two. Yeah, like if there if you if there's a time you want to get rid of it. Yeah, usually like even on turn five sometimes wanna like even with Rion you just bounce everything and then you still get two or three spells. Well I, I can imagine you do something on turn like you've got like eight mana available and you like cast this, blow up your fire like cast the spell for free, cast this, blow up your fires, cast the supreme verdict, cast the new fires. Cause like it often happens you can like flood on fires. And you can like use this to like squeeze in 
like occasionally casting like three or four spells where maybe like obviously Yorion does this job a lot of the time so I'm not sure if you really have to care with uh with this but it's a nice option to have yeah the ones you're most likely going to play as multiple copies of mean like three of maybe four of most likely not but your with a bloom command and your position command are gonna be the ones where you see at least two of and three of and decks that want to play them yeah i still like uh silver quill command in my esper hero deck why didn't we put that one on the poll that would have been an easy one joke that deck's actually annoying because it's grindy as hell but like what that's why i like it <laughs> let's ping you let's do it again you you want to get another ping i got a bunch of one ones coming your way <laughs> but the deck can easily also fall apart like if you like just you know bye cool it's fun so we know the commands we see liliana and uh kazmina who now I told you this off cast, Alex, but um, I still think that the spoiler. Do you want to actually kind of go over some of the spoilers from Morrow? Yeah, I guess we can go over tomorrow once because we don't have, you know, leagues to talk about. Well, so we can go over tomorrow's. Well, while you pull sheet. them up, Alex, I'm going to go ahead and spoil one of them. He said uh, it's the uh, the same type on both sides of a card for a modal flipland or MDC, whatever. Yeah. I'll, uh, I can, uh, I could just start going them now and then we could touch on that one. Sure. As we reach to it. Right. So, uh, Morrow Strixhaven teaser. I really like these by the way. Yeah. They're fun. When was the first time they did it? It wasn't for Zendikar, right? I think it was earlier. Cause we, I think it was for the core set before because we got sublime Abyssiny. Yeah. We got spoiled as a card that had like 36 options. Um, before previews for Strixhaven officially begin, I thought it would be fun to do another of my Duelist-style teasers where I give tiny hints of things to come. Note that I am only giving you partial information. First up, here are some things you can expect. A white card with the rule text, draw three cards. You know what's the best thing about it? A friend of mine said, like, yeah, because you know it's going to say target opponent draws four cards. Yeah. Or, or, I, my, I just saw all the memes on Twitter. It's like, yeah, uh, target or target opponent draws three cards. That's the whole card. That's it. <laughs> and then, no, it's like target opponent draws three cards. You gain six life. <laughs> a planeswalker, you know, but not as you know them. I think that's Liliana. Yeah, that's Liliana. It has to be. Unless we get Professor uh, Jim Teacher Garrick. First, I said to you, like, oh, yeah, of course, Kazmina. Like, why wasn't I think of Kazmina being part of it? She literally makes wizard tokens. Because at that point, I had not read that Professor Blackmana was Liliana. Mm -hmm. So, because I completely skimmed over that. Because, like, yeah, yeah, whatever. Planeswalker, Onyx, I guess. Um, a card featuring uh, Paolo Vitor Damo da Rosa. Because, hey, you know, for winning the World Championship, how in Eldraine we got... Um, uh, ooh, what's oh. his name? Oh, he's on Feverin Champion. Carvalho? Is it Carvalho? I don't remember. Does it Does it say on the card? Doesn't it say, like, in the in the bottom? It does not. Um, Javier Dominguez. Yeah. And it is actually mentioned on the card. 2018 World Champion Javier Dominguez. Dude, I love that they still do that. Makes me happy. I mean, it's not like the ones you get to design, right? It's not meddling mage, shadow mage, infiltrator, that sort of thing. You know, Bob. Also, imagine you get to design your own card, 
one person makes meddling mage, snapcaster mage, um, and then you're the guy that made shadow mage infiltrator. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that'd be good. I don't know. Um, a spell with three X's in its mana cost. That's going to be some form of blue, a spell. You think like a blue steel spell or something? Possibly. Uh, yeah, uh, um, that's kind of boring. I What's the one that we got from uh, Ravnica Allegiance? With all the eyes like in the background and shit, like all like the, the little clone things in the art. Um, it's it's like take control of X, target X permanent. Entrancing melody. X, I believe. Yes. Oh yeah, yeah. So we we already got, but that was wasn't it like three blue XX? Yeah, it was double X three blue. So this is gonna have to be something like exceptionally powerful if you need to pay three mana for every iteration. I can imagine. Yeah, I don't think it'd be steel effects. I think that's kind of boring. I can imagine with Magecraft, this is a spell that you get to copy for every iteration. So that's why you have to put so much mana into it. Ooh, multi-kicker. Yeah, it's like multi-kicker. Like, deal two damage, repeat this process X amount of times or something. I, I can imagine it being something like that. It's a new expansion explosion, which it makes me so sad that that card's not playable anymore because we don't have Wilderness Reclamation. Oh no, I don't have to be worried if my opponent's suddenly drawing 15 cards. Uh, who cares about you? them drawing 15? You're dead. Fair. Mm-hmm. Introduction of a new evergreen keyword. Which... Please let it be cycling. Wait, hold on. It's Magecraft. Well... Yeah, it's a... It, is it... Is it new as in, like... Obviously, this is what we don't know, right? New as in it's going to now become um, evergreen? Like how Menace eventually will already existed but became evergreen? Um, or is it actually... Because, like, Magecraft... I mean, I, I know it gets introduced here, but, like... Where we saw like prowess, mages aren't really a thing we see everywhere, right? I mean, even if they're the creature type wizards, being referred to as a mage is obviously different than being like a sorcerer or a wizard or a shaman or or even like monastery swift spirits a monk, right? With prowess, where I feel like magecraft feels like very thematically tied to Strixhaven being the school of mages. So I I just checked. I mean, I would like to see a lot of magecraft, but yeah, I just checked. Um, I went to his uh, tweet about it, and he was answering some questions that people had of, like, clarification on some of them. He conveniently did not answer this question, which said, introduction of a new evergreen keyword. He's like, does this mean a non-evergreen keyword will become evergreen, or is a totally new one? I was thinking about prowess or spell mastery since it fit perfectly with the magic theme. He did not reply at all to this one, but he replied some to some other ones asking for clarification. So that tells me he doesn't want you to know exactly what he means by that. This one is a spicy one. A red sorcery that you can have as many copies in your deck as you want. Hmm. Please let it be shock. Dude, if it's a shock effect... <laughs> can build shock tribal. Oh my god, that'd be kind of cool. Relentless shocks. <laughs> what if... Oh, what if it's a... What if it's no, a, like, a, a lightning strike kind of card? That is a... Uh, what's the fran- frantic inventory as a burn spell? It initially deals one damage, and then... One damage per copy in your graveyard. Exactly. Isn't there a card that allows you to put, like, every copy of something in your graveyard? But, like, once there's one in your graveyard, you could put all of them in or something? I don't know. Um, Ways of getting it out of the library in exile. In the graveyard, I think there has to be a card that that is just... 
I have to have seen it on like a much of brew play. But I have no idea. The um oh I I think they generally go to X. I know there was the deck, the Relentless Reds deck that cast Lost Legacy of its on itself and became a combo deck with Bontus Monument. Like you would run a fairly low amount of swamps, Bontus Monument, Pitiless Plunderer, um a sack outlet Jehenny, and that vampire that you can replay when you gain life. And the rest of your deck would be Relentless Rats. And then you would Lost Legacy yourself, get all the rats out of your deck, and you would be like a 12-card deck with a combo in it. Like, I remember that being a deck. Obviously, it was it was bad, but it was funny as hell. Because that was my... I had a Relentless Rats deck just for a joke, and that was my sideboard plan. So I would just take out 15 rats, put that in. Perfect deck building. Anyway, a future shifted card... Appearing for the first time in a premiere set other than Future Sight. Now, I don't know if that means that we're going to get a reprint of a Future Shifted card, or we're going to get a new Future Shifted card. Because some Future Shifted cards haven't been ever, like, actually brought in. A lot of people are uh, thinking Nyx is the card, as I, I've seen, been seeing floating around. Yeah, or spell we a Spellweaver Volute, maybe? The one that you can, like, enchant an instant or sorcery in your graveyard and, like, copy it, which would work with Magecraft. Yeah. I mean, next would be cool. Yeah, so... It's a cool card. Looking at it, so you mean... I think this means so we're gonna now get to actually see that card in a set that isn't future. So it's gonna be a card that we know, right? It must... It, it's This is this would be technically its third thing. Yeah, because I was just thinking, like, don't they mean, like, a card as if we're, like, one of the, like, flavors going to be, like, we're going to, like, look into a scrying orb and see something from the future. I don't know exactly what the, the wording on this means. Considering Magecraft, it could be the new bridge from below. A new bridge from below? Ban modern card. Wait, wasn't it? No, that was printed out of a future site set, or, like, outside of a future site set. Uh, Eternal Masters. So that wasn't printed in an actual... The blue one? Oh, no, I thought you meant uh, actual bridge from below. Uh, which which blue bridge from below do you mean? No, the one where you chain and sorcery from your guide. Oh, the Spellweaver uh, Volute. Yeah. So for people who don't know what this mess of a card is, because there's a friend of mine who's way too big of a fan of this, it's blue, blue, three for an aura. Enchant an instant card in your graveyard. Whenever you play a sorcery, copy the enchanted instant card you may play the copy without paying its mana cost if you do remove the enchanted card from the game and attach spellweaver volo to another instant in your graveyard so what this means what if i enchant i enchant an opt no dig through time uh, dig through time I cast, think bigger i cast a th yeah obviously i <laughs> can we do that i enchant a dig through time i cast a thought seize and now i get to copy dig through time Dick Through Time goes to exile, and I slap Spellweaver Volute on, like, an opt. Another Dick Through Time, because you have more than one in your graveyard. <laughs> and, or another Dick Through Time, if you're if you're thinking even bigger. Right? Th that's what this mess of a card is. Funnily enough, I believe this is the only way to trigger Pyromancer's Ascension in the Commander. Because you're casting a card that is already in your graveyard, which normally isn't a thing, because you have two copy. You can only have one copy of each card. No, you're not technically casting it. You're making a copy. Those are two different things. Casting and copying are two different things. That's why I left saying cast or copy. Well, but it says you may play the copy. You may play the copy without paying its mana cost. And this is like on an old card, so I don't know if they changed the... 
gatherer text. Yeah. You may cast the copy without paying its mana cost. So it does actually count as casting. It, it has to be a cast effect because... Um... You can't copy something that isn't on the stack. Right? So at least you can't copy an instant... Uh, whatever, but rules-wise, funny quirk. If you ever want to play a Pyromancer's Ascension in Commander and have people give you really funny looks, and then you know, no, 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 this will work. This will work. And then you can fire your Spellweaver Volute. Um... So I have a friend of mine who really loves this card, and every time in Commander, I go and cast, like, any instant or sorcery. He, like, really over, like, is that an instant? <laughs> or, like, is that a sorcery? It's like, yes, it is. Oh, then I get to cast this. <laughs> like, I do, like, a terminated sorcery speed. It's like, is that, an, is that a sorcery? No. Um, a modal... Oh, Brad, here we come to your prediction. A modal double-faced card with the same card type on both sides... That hasn't been printed before, so at least no lands. So we know a certain planeswalking duo that will be in the set thanks to some uh, art. Alex, who is that planeswalking duo? Rowan and Kenrith. So you have each of them, one of each, on either side as the planeswalker. By the way, it's not Rowan and Kenrith. Kenrith is their last name. Uh, Kenrith is their dad. Wait, Will and Rowan, yeah. Yeah, Will. Would be weird if it was suddenly just Rowan and her dad. <laughs> Honestly, that makes a lot of sense. Or it's Will and it's Will and Rowan. That makes less sense because her dad's not a planeswalker. So he I got a spark he because he's already he's already the king. If that man traveling through all of Eldraine and doing all the trials of knighthood hasn't had a spark ignited yet, I don't know what will. Uh, he hasn't had that <laughs> a, 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 the uh, the happy spark. He's been turned into an elk by Oko. Isn't that like traumatic? I mean, Nicobola's planeswalker spark ignited because he was mad. So, like, I can imagine if you get turned into an elk, and after, like, half a year, you're turned back to a human, you'd be you'd be pissed off, right? It's not always anger, though, it, or, or, like, trauma, uh, traumatization. It's uh, Sometimes it's enlightenment or, like, uh, euphoria. Yeah. Well, it's just, like, an extreme emotion, right? Where, like, being turned into an elk sounds like a pretty extreme emotion to me if you get out of that. Like, there, there are only two planeswalkers to ever become planeswalkers and get their spark because of happiness. And they're both from Amonkhet. It's Basri and Samet? Yeah, Samet. Yeah, Samet and Basri. Samet uh, was basically thanked personally by Hazret. Actually... It fits with the expression, right? I'm so happy I could die. So there you go, Planeswalker Spark Trick. Exactly. And then Basri Ket uh, passed the Trial of Ambition. And that's why he got his. Was the Trial of Ambition or the Trial of Solidarity? Solidarity. White. Not not Ambition. Um, which... It's not even the hard one. They're all hard. And he was already so trials, happy. dude. Are you kidding me? Yeah, but I mean, the Trial of Ambition one is the one where you need to drown your friends. Yes. Okay, yes. But... Like... Solidarity is just like, do you like cats? And it's like, yes. And then you've passed the trial. Dude, you have to, uh, in order to become an Eternal, you have to uh, go through all the trials. It's great. Yeah. And that's why Ambition is the last one, because it's where you kill your friends. Mm -hmm. So, yeah, brilliant. Alex, hey, I want to be an Eternal. You want to uh, go to this uh, tomb with me? No, thanks. <laughs> um... It's like the Chamber of Secrets. <laughs> So the modal double-faced card with the same card type on both sides is probably going to be Will and Rowan. Yeah, I think that'd be that's perfect. I mean, that's so cool. Now this is where it gets weird. Um, you ha like ha it's hard. That seems like it's going to be hard to balance if you think about it, 
Because let's look at like uh, the first flip planeswalker we have with modals in Tybalt, right? You have Valky on the front and then Tybalt on the back. Um, obviously, you have Tybalt being the higher casting cost, being seven mana versus Valky being two mana. Do you think they go with that route where you have like a two or three mana planeswalker on the front and then a more expensive one on the back? No, I hope they go in more interesting and they're like both five mana. And you really get to, like, make a choice. And it's not like they're four and six mana. And it's like, well, now that I have six mana, the six mana one's obviously going to be better. Because it's a six mana walker as opposed to a four one. Whereas if they, like, both five, you could probably make, like, an actual decision. It could be a cool... On, like, which one fits my situation. Yeah, it could be, like, a cool yin and yang kind of... Or yin and yang, if you want to use the uh, proper pronunciation. Um, Well, it's actually not even yang, it's yang. It's young with yes. like a little G sure. on the back end. I know this because um, I dated a girl whose name was young. Uh, so I had to uh, learn that. So you were trying to be the ying to her. Yeah. <laughs> she got deported. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> I'm not even joking. That's quite the conclusion. Though, Brad. <laughs> she is back in China. So I could see know, this being um, a three man and a four man as well. Almost like Sean to torture the fire with, um, Whichever one was the red one. I think that was Ken Rowan. And like a 3-1, just a relatively slightly underpowered. It's going to be a mythic, so it's always going to be a lot more cool than the rares. But I could see it. No, like one blue-blue and then red-red. Ooh, yeah. Like double blue for one of them, double red for the other one. Same mana cost. Yeah. Yeah, so just got to mean Narset on the front, Chandra Torch of Defiance on the back. Nothing can go wrong here. Oh, perfect. <laughs> oh, my God. Oh. Actually, no, no, they need to be the same. No, they need to be the same mana cost. So it's going to be Jace the Mind Sculptor on the front, Chandra Torch of Defiance on oh. the back. No, isn't Jace a five mana planeswalker? No, no, Jace the Mind Sculptor is four mana. No, Jace is four. Oh. Yeah, so it's going to be... <laughs> Shows you how much modern I play. That's why he's one blue, blue, blue. Oh, yeah. Uh, uh, oh, no. We want Jace, Wielder of Mysteries on the front. Uh, and then what's another mill planeswalker? Is there a four mana Ashiok? Or actually, it depends on how they feel. It's either going to be like Jace, the Mind Sculptor on the front, Chandra, Torch of Defiance on the back, or it's going to be like. Um... Red and six. Red and six, red and six, but instead of lands, it's it's instants and sorceries. You're gonna get a lot of power. Have we have have you not seen the power that Nick one mana planeswalker? <laughs> have have you not seen? I want the first ever one mana planeswalker. <laughs> I think we could possibly get eventually. It has to start at like z at like one loyalty and have a plus one. It starts at zero loyalty. <laughs> it just dies. <laughs> well, like it enters the battle. It comes to zero, but when it as, as, Oh no, but that's not like a sack effect. No, as is the battlefield, it comes in with a loyalty count that you can't activate. That's how you get off of it being to be one loyalty. <laughs> no, it just it's zero loyalty, so you need to have Oath of Gideon have... in play, so it's got one loyalty when it enters. Finally, Oath of Gideon becoming a good card. Oh my god, it's Dak Faden. <laughs> That's as our first one mana planeswalker, like, and he comes in and instantly dies. What is normally that meme? Like, oh my god, it's because I had to think. Yeah, that's Kenny. Oh my god, they killed Kenny. 
but but then later seasons they go oh my god they killed kenny and they just start talking about whatever it is again no it's like i was thinking oh my god it's jason Bourne. <laughs> oh, yes <laughs> <laughs> oh my god it's deck oh Fade. no he's dead again <laughs> it could also be nickel bolus and then he just get, uh, gets exiled after uh like it says when this card leaves the battlefield exiled instead so it's nickel bolus in the prison realm that's a good static. Oh, <laughs> like 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 a muffled muffled behind uh, a thing. Um. Okay. The next one, I think it goes well together with the with the first one. Actually, a card sharing something that's never shared before. What if the white one is target opponent draws three cards? You share maximum hand size. <laughs> <laughs> It's like, yeah, your opponent draws a lot, but you eventually whittle down everyone's resources. Very white. Oh, no, you could just say a white card being good. That's something that's never shared before. There you go. <laughs> Congrats. White gets too much shit. White's fine. White's fine, but you have to build on it. It's versatile. So, so like, semi-hot take. Well, probably, like, somewhat cold take. But white's fine. White's not that bad. We always meme about, but, like, come on. White's one-dimensional as hell. I mean, white's just one-dimensional, so it just doesn't have the depth. That's more of a problem. It's the best sideboard color. It's the best splash color. But that's that should not be your color's identity. Is like, you're great with other things. No, of course not. <laughs> yeah, white is the is the casmina of, uh, of colors. White is very good at being a prison color. That is what it does very well. It's like got a niche. Yeah. Prison. Like if we, for example, like a lot of this meme, I mean, a lot of this memeing originates in Commander, right? But like there are some absolutely amazing white cards in Commander. It's just mono white is bad. But like Grand, I think it's Grand Abolisher. Uh, There's loops with like Ranger Captain of Eos. Uh, Silence is like an EDH staple almost. Like... Draneth Magistrate, also great in Commander. Funnily enough, doesn't work around the command the companion rule anymore. Draneth Magistrate, which is what it was designed to counter. White has a lot of things they can do, as in specifically enchantments, which is why I was so much on playing enchantress and making it actually because the enchantments were there. It's just missing the speed. I wish uh, Sun Gun was still in the format. You guys are crazy. If if Sungun was still around, it would be by far the best deck in the format right now. Sungun was fine. Dude, that deck was so... I'm sorry. That deck was bad. It was only good because Inverter was in the format. It was a bad deck. No, and Sungun was fine. No. No. No, but I mean, like, Niftalite is, like, arguably the best deck right now, and it would just get dumpstered by... Yeah, Niftalite is just gonna run four main deck push and go further in the black. It's fine. It would just run Sun Gun. See, it's not toxic at all. We just counter it by running the same deck. Yeah, it, it... You can't really say Niftalite because it's still around. It's still putting up a ton of results online. Hey, Niftalite would also run Walking Blister. It's fine. Yeah. <laughs> Just run, like, Sun Water Pistol. You don't need to run, like, the whole gun. <laughs> Perfect! Even I ran Sun Gun in Antris when I finally realized it was a good combo. Because I told you to. I was getting angry. I'm like, you're running enchantments. Just run Sun Gun. Run it, like, a, just a little bit. A teeny tiny, just a crumb of Sun Gun. That's it. <laughs> That's all you need. I, I ended up doing it. Th exactly! <laughs> no, I... 
I devoted seven slots to that column. It was worth it. I beat Inverter. Because you were basically a Roman play. Okay, of course you beat Inverter. Sun Gun existed. Be- yes, Sun Gun became a deck because of Inverter. That's why it existed. It's a prison deck with a eye wink. It just says, in prison having an eye you know, Sun Gun is a deck because it gave every deck that wanted to play it or pop a I win button. Can can I get a can I get a crumb of combo? Just a little a little tiny combo. Like, okay, can I can, can we unban Kethis? Teferi's gone. <laughs> I I do have it in paper now. Don't tempt Don't me. Don't tempt me with a good time. I'll lose to you. <laughs> Notion thief, shit. <laughs> yeah, you're, you'll just counter my shit, and I'll be like, <laughs> okay. The reason I was saying I w- I wish we had Sun Gun again is like I, I miss having a model white like prisony style deck because okay, again, I think that deck was bad. We talked about it before months and months ago when it was legal, and you and I Alex had this conversation a lot where. And you even agreed when I made the statement saying that it's a weird mid-rangey, sometimes aggro plan for like that just stumbles into a combo. And like, if you take away the combo, the rest of the deck is not good. It's really not. It gets fucking bad. No, that's why the deck sees zero play now. Exactly. No one plays mono white devotion. Yeah, and I wish we. I wish you. No, you play it in a chest. Oh man, I loved the mono white with Karn though. Okay, I, I, let me rephrase. I loved the fact that it existed. I fucking got so tilted playing against it because I played Kethis, remember? And what does Karn nice do? Nice artifacts, by the way. Yeah, <laughs> you just go. Hmm. I cannot tap my Mox Amber. That makes me sad. And then I cry. And then they. Then on top of that, they go Karn. You can't do anything. Oh, yeah. Minus Karn, Damping Sphere. Anyway, we do have a lot of stuff to still talk about from Maro because we only talked about like the statements he made about cards. However, here are some snippets from rules text. Oh, you skipped one. You skipped an important one, though. Oh, yeah. Oops. Uh, a cycle of enemy dual lands finishing off a 10 card cycle. Please be the cycling lands. Please be the cycling lands. Uh, together, together with the announcement that cycling is now going to be evergreen. Here's the lands. Oh, do yeah, evergreen cycling would be fucking sweet. If if that's what he means, like a a new evergreen uh, thing. Yeah, that's what I was really hoping. That's what my first thought. Like, please be cycling. Cycling. Like what if they just printed all ever. ten bicycles in uh in this? Like, there you go. Have fun. Why? I've already got the old ones. Yeah, I know, but like not but standard for standard sake. Oh yeah, wait. I was like, give me the enemy colored and then give me the triomes, please. <laughs> Sharp triomes, thanks. <laughs> Dude, Jeskai Cycling would be the best deck in fucking, uh, what's it called? In, um, in Standard. It's already pretty good. Why? Oh, in, in Standard. Yeah, I was like, wait, we've got Jeskai Cycling. Yeah. But we've already got the Jeskai Triome. Oh, but now you want all the others. You want Irrigated Farmland and whatever, like... I don't know. As as a uh, like as a Dutch person, I am obligated to like cycling. So it's your favorite mode of transportation. It's nice that they're finally finishing off. Echo is just. I really wish they changed more than that line of text. It, it's 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 gonna be. And you say not enemy. What? No, of course not. It, the enemy mana base is like. Well, the enemy cycles have to be finished. There's no. I think there's no cycle currently that is exclusively to enemy colors, right? Um, Fastlands. 
Yeah, but I mean, they're, they're not, that, land, that cycle isn't finished. The cycle is finished. It just hasn't been reprinted. Like, these are unfinished. Uh, 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 I was talking about just Pioneer in general. Pioneer in general, there are plenty of lands I would love to have. But for this, okay, no, but I'm going to be pissed. I agree that we need the fast lands in enemy color. But, like, think of, like, what cycle has to be finished. I believe we're only with, like, a bunch of ally cycles now. They're going to give us the fucking battle for Zendikar ones, and I'm going to be so pissed. <laughs> The Tango Labs. And people are like, those are going to be great in standard because the pathways. I'm like, those don't go together at all. No. I just love how they're, how the nickname Tango Lands came to be. How's that? Well, because you need two basics and it takes two to Tango. Oh, shut the f No, shut the f up. I, the second, <laughs> the second you said it, tango you need Land. two. I was like, no, no, we're not doing this. It takes two to Tango, Brad. I hate it. I hate um, it. But... Anyway, let's actually get into the snippets of rules text. <laughs> oh, no, it's the Shadows of Innistrad ones instead. No. Oh, the no, Showlands. No, please, the no. Showlands. Please, no. Oh, my God. It's going to be Showlands. It's going to be so funny. But the snippet, Brad, don't, don't tempt me with laughing at aggro players. Um, <laughs> here are some snippets from rules text that appear in the set for the third time. Search your library and graveyard for up to four creatures with different names. Now that's going to be, that's spicy. I'm thinking like, wait, you can grab like, I'm just thinking like something stupid, like Narcomoeba Priced Amalgam, something else that's stupid. Oxovagonus, something. The issue is they have to leave the graveyard because your search library and your graveyard for diff four different creatures. So that means they have to leave. It cannot interact with that, at least at, at that point. Nothing with the library. Oh yeah, it's gonna it's gonna send them to exile, I guess. Or I mean, can send them to the battlefield or to your hand. Or I can imagine it says like search your library and graveyard for up to four creature cards with different names, and then something like no for up to four different creature cards. Yeah, so like this is our X spell. This is our triple X spell. Yeah, I was about to say you search four, your opponent like makes two piles and two go into your hand, and the rest goes back into your graveyard. Or, no, you exile them, possibly. It'd be a fact of fiction. That could work. Yeah, but I, I, they, could even just, they could even just go back into the graveyard, I guess. But yeah, otherwise they could go to exile, because maybe you make two piles your opponent picks, so it's like a bit less like easy to cheat on, because you're just going to pick a Narcomoeba and just never pick the pile with a Narcomoeba on it. You guys are thinking too small brain. This is the complete text. That's the whole card. You just search your library and graveyard for up to four creature cards, different names. Yep, there they are. And then you, you keep going. <laughs> and, then you, and then you just leave them. Yeah. Um, it's, like, sure. it's like when you pop your hood as a, as a person who knows nothing about their car when something's going wrong. You're like, yep, that's an engine. That's, that's it. <laughs> anyway, the other one is otherwise put a study counter on it. Maybe we're going to get fixed wristic study where the guy actually studies. This could also be, um, as at, at the beginning of your upkeep, you have to pay this mana. The study, study counters actually exist, though. Sorry? Right. There are cards that already exist with study counters on them. Oh, yeah. Like, that's a thing that's already happened. So, like, it could be a reprint. Um, um I, I cannot think of an example, but I remember seeing a white one. Grimoire of the Dead is from Commander last year. Discard a creature card, put a study counter on Grimmer of the Dead, remove three study counters from it, and sacrifice it. Put all creature cards from all... It's like build your own rise from the Dark Realms. Pursuit of Knowledge. Yeah, the other one, I just... Pursuit of Knowledge. And one and four 
Wait, three and a white? Skip drawing a card. Put a study counter on Pursuit of Knowledge. Remove three study counters from Pursuit of Knowledge. Sacrifice Pursuit of Knowledge. Draw seven cards. Mm. Oh, I thought that was going to say draw three cards. I'm like, there's our white card. There it is. <laughs> no, it's gonna, I, I thought it was going to gain you life. I was surprised it actually drew you cards. Um, whenever a permanent entering the battlefield cost, causes a triggered ability to trigger. Panamonicon 2. I mean, I guess I, I, I guess it would do something else, right? It's an enchantment Panamonicon. <laughs> whenever a permanent enters causing a triggered ability to trigger, like make a dude. Bing, draw a card, gain life. Trigger it eight more times. Target opponent draws three cards, and this is a white card. <laughs> um, yeah, I, I have. There's oh, this one is like really broad. Like I wouldn't have a clue what to make of this. Oh no, this second one scares me. Or this next well, one. Untap each creature you control, then tap any numbers of creatures you control. So you can just do like. You could, you could just dance with your creatures, right? Tap. Okay, yeah, but I'm I'm immediately oh, imagining Lotus with like the uh, the vizier of tumbling sands and yeah, shit. Yeah, but then you need to actually play it. And... Okay, but what if it's like one mana? I'm just more thinking like you need creatures that just do something when this creature becomes tapped. There's the creatures in uh, Theros, original Theros that say when they become untapped, they do something. Painseer, yeah. all stop. That'd be kind of cool. Superboot, All-Star, Painseer. Ooh. What does Painseer do again? Um, When it becomes untapped, it be you do Bob. Ooh. Yeah. The next one. Pay 10 life. Draw 10 cards. That could be the white card, too. That could be anything. <laughs> pay 10 <laughs> life. Draw 3 cards. <laughs> pay 10 life. Draw 3 cards. Yeah. Well, depending <laughs> on how much white mana it is, that might actually be reasonable. Oh my god. I would definitely pay one white and three and ten life for three cards. That's a great way for white. Um but Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> We're playing Yu-Gi-Oh now. That sounds like a Yu-Gi-Oh card. Yeah. Pay half your life points, draw three. I'll do that. Sure. Yeah. Hundred percent. So yeah, this could obviously could be literal anything. Uh that obviously goes for most of these. Maybe it's a red card you can have as many copies of. Um, just to go into the spirit of the previous card, this is just all it says. It's just a hey, death shadow this, staple. This is also, yeah. This is this is also the same thing as the other one I was telling you about. This is just the text. Just pay ten. It's life. even like yeah, it's zero mana, but <laughs> it's, it's got zero like the symbol. Like this card is actually red, and it just says pay ten life. Perfect for your uh, death shadow deck. It would be a, a great card in that deck. <laughs> um, it would probably be. Um, then it says, repeat this process six more times. We've seen that, Liliana. Nope, nope, nope. I wanted to make sure that you understood something. This was asked about uh, in his spoilers. Oh. He confirmed that each one of these, all of them, are their own card. So if, ah. the, if the Liliana one is, is that, the... Is, is, that e is that even with the, like... These are separate categories. Yeah, he says they're all their own thing. Oh, so there's going to be another cart that repeats six times. Okay. Apparently. Because, um, like, it, it'd be really it'd be really weird of Morrow to include... Because the other ones, even when he had these two separate categories before in the last spoilers, they were all separate. Yeah, like, they, they were all separate carts. So I so, guess that makes sense. Yeah. Um, Then we have Pests, which I believe is a new creature type. Nope, there's pests. been one in existence. Oh, one. I'm okay. just dunking on you today. 
I mean, you're just looking up the Twitter thread with Morrow's answers. No, no, no. This one I um, saw on a different tweet. Ah, uh, okay, yeah. Uh, pests, bats, insects, snakes, and spiders. There's probably going to be some sort of lord. I love spiders. So if we get a spider lord. Um, nope. Dude, Go oh my away. god. Ishkana as a professor. No. I don't think so. What do you mean, no? Must be efficient to be a teacher if you could just like eight eyes, eight arms. That's grading so much faster. Yeah. It's like, uh, what's the one from Harry Potter? The spider that talks, the big one that Hagrid's friends uh, with. Ar Aragog? Yeah. Like yeah. It's like that, except he has a cool little hat. Oh, yeah. Let's, let's, let's repeat that. This is definitely trauma. a lord, what I can tell. Yeah, yeah, this is some sort of lord effect. Ha have menace, uh, get plus one, plus one. Like This is such a cool lord, though. I, if they give me good spiders, I'll be so happy. Yeah, I mean... You'll have to play green-black. We, 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 lack a, we lack a Jund spider for a commander that isn't bad. For Jund spiders. There is a Jund spider. Yeah, but it's really bad. That isn't bad. It just says something like, everyone has to attack each turn or something. Yeah. Like, um, each mode must target a different player. So, can this include Lich uh, reprints? Because there's Vindictive Lich from Commander 2017. Could be. Uh, 2018, I think, that does this, which is kind of fitting if you know the art itself. It was in the Wizard deck, um, potentially. I don't know, does this only apply for the Strixhaven set or also for the Commander? Like, oh, actually, if it applies for 1v1, there's probably uh, a mix of positive and negative effects on it. So you can like have like an option of negatives for your opponent, an option of positives for you, or something like that. Yeah. Just something like if it dies, like pick all four. And you could just like mix and match how they would target who or something. Target player loses the game. Perfect. Balanced. Um, and then... Like, as this thing dies, your opponent, like, somehow flashes in a ley line of, oh, plays like that blue card that says you gain hexproof until end of turn. <laughs> like, ha! Oh, they just, what's the what's the one that, like, was a commander thing that just f***ed up legacy? Um, true name, true name nemesis. <laughs> we get that. Please no. Um, whenever an opponent activates an ability that isn't a mana ability. That feels like a white card or a red card. Yeah. It's either going to be a white or a red card. It's a bad card. I, I'm already telling you. I would say it's probably it's probably a red card. I think white would like prevent your opponent from doing it. And red punishes yeah, and your it's opponent. It's not gonna be playable. Like harsh mentor. White taxes. It doesn't it prevents you or you or it taxes you and hinders your progress. Oh, it could be like counter that ability unless they pay one or something. Yeah. It's in white. That could work. But be more blue at this point, but yeah. Oh my god, I didn't read this one. This is horrible. Where X is the number of cards in your library. Oh my god, this is gonna suck in paper. I gotta count my fucking library. Yeah. This thing better cost eight mana. I had the other day, I was playing I was playing against Scratch, like our resident blue white control player, and we were like just like I think we were like three minutes into our game, and he's like, How many cards are left in your library? And I'm like, Really, dude? <laughs> like, yeah, you're thirty eight. Yeah. At that <laughs> point you're like when it's early in the game, you're better off counting your hand your field and your graveyard and then just math because like you i'm not gonna sit there and just count my library yeah i had a notion thief in play and he was just like that's gonna take a long time to mill you out and then he scooped a thing <laughs> <laughs> hey 
I wish Battle of Wits was uh, Pioneer Legal, just so I could play that against him and only him. I think it's it's going to oh, no. gain X life where X is the number of card library. Like a four-minute Oh, spell. F off. <laughs> Ooh, that's going to be a lot of life if you can play that early. I don't want that. Hell, I'm going to play... I'm going to build a 300-card deck. <laughs> Perfectly legal. You just have to find yeah. those four... One of four. <laughs> What if it's draw X, where X is the number of cards in your library? <laughs> I mean, that's not even that strange of a... How is Enter the Infinite worded? I think that just says draw your whole you library. Draw your whole so library, you one card face down, back and check. Yeah, but I wonder how it's worded. Until the end of your next turn, you have no hand size. Well, draw cards equal to the number of cards in your library, is what it says. So this is... No, nah, it, it, yeah, it wouldn't. It would be worded that way. I would just say the word equal, so you wouldn't have to declare an X. Draw half X cards rounded down. That sounds like a really strange way to to word peer um, into the abyss. Oh yeah, that's right. I don't know, dude. But if it's gain life, I'm quitting this game. Here's some fun ones, and finally, here are some creature type lines from the set. Turtle Druid, Bird Warlock, and this is my favorite, Frog Wizard. I love frogs. I love wizards and mages and everything, and now I just get to do both. Have you ever seen the South Park episode of um, uh, Wikilinks? I think I have. There's a frog wizard, I'm pretty sure. He's like, you have to kid your brother. How do you feel? <laughs> Kidding your own brother. <laughs> like It's it's the fucking animal. Like in, I think it's like a hamster or something. And it just has a blank stare at him. It doesn't say anything. And, and oh, yeah. <laughs> and, like, his voice is amazing. I just, like, how do you feel? You have to kill your own brother. <laughs> Tell me, Wikilinks. That's him. Frog wizard. Then there is Spirit Dwarf, giving some of that Kaldheim crossover. It's going to be a spirit staple. Tro Troll Druid. Hmm. I guess World of Warcraft players rejoice. This is my favorite. I bat it's just that's it's been, just gonna be it's been a while since we've had an eye card oh, that's true been a long time since we've had an eye card Ooh, that, this one's good too though oh an eyeball with wings that's like um that was a thing in titan quest which was like an old an old game but like you had a you had a companion you could summon that was an eyeball with wings so it's actually kind of cool um i'm sure this is a thing that also happens in other games but i just remember that one then we've got legendary creature Vampire Warlock. Please be good. Please be good. Please be good. <laughs> legendary creature Orc Shaman. Legendary creature Dryad Druid. Tongue twister. Uh, legendary artifact creature Construct. Karn. It's going to be like... D Karn's a professor. That could be interesting. And a creature now. Professor Karn. Yeah. I mean... I mean, how much do we know about the story yet? Because if we're going to get really wild, the Telerian Academy had, like, a problem with, like, accidentally opening portals to other planes and times, right? What if this is just, like, an alternate universe Telerian Academy and Karn is actually there? It's actual Karn, but just different time Karn. That would make Liliana as a planeswalker as Onyx or whatever give an excuse for that we really have like a con like combination oh, we have blue I mean, red but 
I mean, I I haven't like I haven't thought about it. I haven't looked it up. Did we ever get a proper explanation as to how Vorinclex showed up on Kaldheim? No. I don't think so. Or are we or are we going to get like I didn't read all the story though. So is is there going to have to be like some sort of like plots that still has to be like discovered as to how on earth Vorinclex actually showed up there? Because that might open up like a whole can of worms. I, I, there's a video from Magic Arcanum, what goes on on call time, and I forgot to watch it. I have saved it. But any thoughts before we move on to uh, to the next point about any of this? Any particular card you're excited for? Any bold prediction? Any hot takes? The Orc Shaman we've always seen. It's going to be the Boros Kondor just in the actual the actual set. Sorry, the Boros. Um, the Orc Shaman is going to be Noisine. He's the middle guy in the three pitchers that you sent. He's going to be the leader for them. Maybe. But the the middle guy you see on that picture is the leader, and he's not yeah. an orc, is he? He looks orc. He's a giant, at least. Oh, yeah. He's kind of orcish. Yeah. He could be an orc. So when I think of orc, I just think of green skin or brown. This is Saban. We've never been here before. We're going to a new place. Hey, let, let, let's, you know, it's it's 2021. We don't judge people by the color of their skin. This guy can be an orc, even if he isn't green. He could be a giant, but could make sense. So I think the next point we want to move on to, and this one is, is I think, a little bit more for me an epic than it is for, uh, for Brad, but I'm sure Brad can touch on it too. I actually got this question sent in by Epic two weeks ago. And I said, like, oh, yeah, I'm going to have to totally go into this on the podcast because I love this question. And then I quite frankly forgot. And then it turned out Epic was going to be on the cast. So I was like, well, perfect, if you can answer your own question, because this goes for you, too. We talked about you being an being a Enchantress player. Uh, I play way too much Grixis for my own health. And this is, this is the question you sent me, uh, I think, two weeks ago. When you're going through with deck selection for a more competitive slash high stakes event and your goal is to win, how much more important is it to take a top tier deck compared to taking a deck you enjoy? While both are important, what steps would you take to find a good balance between the two? So do you want to answer this or do you starting with answering this? Um, well, you, you you start off with your answer, so I could sort of see like what direction you would want to you would want to take it. So, on the play, we um, I'm, I qualify for a way in Pioneer Invitational, so I'm gonna use a lot of my experience for that specifically, and and convert over. But going into a um, more competitive high stakes event, if you and you're known for something, if it's relatively small. A small like community that knows what you love playing, it's a little bit more. You're gonna have an idea of what that meta game is, because that's what it's going to come down to in the end. This is the deck you really enjoy, in my opinion. For this case, Enchantress. For I love my Enchantress, but if I just know I'm going to be walking into a hostile meta game for that deck specifically, at that point, I kind of have to admit that this is the right deck for me to play and I need to look at something else. Um in this in this variation I decided say okay what do I love to play? I love to play these very grind out decks. I don't like relatively simple like, 
Aggro decks can be viewed, although they can be extremely flex. I don't really like like aggro, traditional aggro or traditional control decks because those aren't the ones that really make you think out what is the sequence for each and every turn that you have. I love doing that. So that Aspheus is a very solid example because you're, it's a tempo deck and once you lose that tempo, you're going all behind. Rakdos Arcanist is another example because you're going to have a full graveyard at second hand. But you really need to take, find a balance between a deck or a play style you enjoy doing and then saying, how can I apply this to myself? What decks are good in the current metagame, for example, I can play? And how is that going to affect the current metagame? Can I basically outsmart the metagame by being a metagame-breaking deck. Yeah, but that, to, to me, that, that, that has a lot of semblance of, like, mainly just, like, trying to metagame and trying to... Effectively, it seems like when it's more high stakes, you value, like, actually just trying to win, like, like a lot. If we're talking, like, the balance between having a deck you like and a deck that's good for the format, you like very heavily like shifted to I want a deck that's good for the format. And I'm just gonna bring like an element of what I enjoy. So I know I don't want to play hard aggro. So if there is an option not to play hard aggro, I'm not gonna play hard aggro. But I it sounded like it kind of stops there. It's like, but you're good playing most other things. I enjoy tempo oriented means sometimes and just grind your out decks. I that's what I that's what I enjoy. So find a deck that suits me is relatively easy as long as I look past the blue-white control or the black control or like the red-white aggro, Naya aggro. Like once I look past, once you look past, and specifically in Pioneer, there's a ton of options that you can do. It's a lot of freedom and freedom of expression there just to do whatever you want. You just need to identify where is your metagame is or what is the overall metagame if you're going to a larger event know how you can pick a deck that that you can enjoy while still understanding where the current metagame is and going i don't know if i'm getting confused in my words take a take a deck or take a place that you enjoy look at what some of the top tier decks are being played as right now a, a great resource for that is the mbo deck list the you need something a little faster mtg fish is really efficient and just see what other people are doing within those archetypes you enjoy and then find something within that like it's finding a, a, a small box inside a bigger box yeah so it's like for you i think trying to boil it down like you you just find important like to find an archetype you enjoy. Yeah. And then if you go into like a more high stakes tournament, you go from like, I want to play this deck. You're thinking like, no, I want to play it a little bit wider. I'm going to play this archetype. And that's like where you draw the line. It's like, I'm going to play an archetype I enjoy. Yeah. If it's high stakes. Yeah. So my perspective on this is, is a little bit different because... Well, I haven't played in an Invitational here because even I was actually qualified this time around, miraculously. Um, but because I had like the greatest run with Elves at the start of the season, and that just like set me up to be in, even though I missed like three of them. 
Um, and I mean, I was just number eight, so not like I easily made it in anyway. Um, so my experience actually comes a lot from pre-COVID, when I used to play in what is here known over here as the Dutch Open series, which, as I've talked about in the past, is like our like super small version of the SCG tour um that we have which has like some qualifiers you can find locally and then three or four times a year there is like a big tournament and uh which generally ranges i mean big here is about like 80 to 100 people from out the from out all over the netherlands people come people come from germany too uh fun side note because the german tournament series like the german like uh tournaments you play there it's always a little annoying for them because they can't really have a good price structure because magic is seen as gambling. So for like price support in tournaments, I think it has to abide by gambling laws, which means that tournaments effectively don't have price support, which is like this. So that's why a lot of German players actually come over to uh, to play in the Dutch Open series too. Also because the playmats are great. Um, but going into that format, so you go into like 80 to 100 people, and the field is wide open. Now, generally speaking, the um, speaking from the Dutch meta game, there's a lot of people that will just play meta. So I do know I have to expect to see a lot of the best deck, which is the main time I played the Dutch Open series, obviously because of COVID, was when I played Standard and mostly around the, like, Dominaria to, like, Guilds of Ravnica eras when I played like in like every Dutch Open series for like, that like two year period, and you effectively knew that like most of your matches going in were going to be against like literally just go to Goldfish and just find the most played deck, right? Like there's and this is probably goes for not just the Netherlands, but it was literally just like people net decking like definition net decking and people playing control because people who've been playing Magic for a long time like to play control because it makes them feel smart. Which is, like, probably not unique to here either. So all you have to really do is just fine-tune the top matchup and have anti-control tech. And generally, like, most decks will get you there. Obviously, the the Discord here, too, is different because it's proxy-friendly when normally a metagame isn't, right? I can't go yeah. to a sanctioned tournament with proxies, just not allowed. So I'm usually, even if a tournament is pretty high stakes, um, which like I consider like the Dutch Open series has like a, you pay like 30 to 40 bucks for a ticket, which I would consider high stakes. And, or going to a GP, for example, which I've also played in. And I generally still value fun, like a lot. And that's which is why I ended up playing Grixis in most. It was twofold. I didn't want to buy a different deck. Like I've played times where I, I always prefer to play control if control works, and which is why if control even vaguely works, I'll just gravitate to Grixis because it's also the deck I own. I don't want to buy an entire blue white control deck and then be like stuck with a deck that I don't want to play after the tournament. Um, so part of it is financial reasons, but for me, it what also really weighs in is and this can like stray you away from your favorite deck but you need to consider that you need to play that deck for a full day sometimes and playing a full day of magic is hard 
even with a deck you enjoy, but I can't imagine doing it with a deck that I don't enjoy. Like, for example, uh, a deck that I own in Pioneer is something like um, Ors of Humans, which I think is a deck that I, I really enjoy for, like, a throwaway game. But I could not play it all day. Uh, because it would just, like, bore me. Because, like, it's, it's to an extent, it's very one-dimensional. So I still value fun a lot because I start losing focus if I notice, like, wait, why, why did I stop playing this game for fun? Now, I think if I would, like, you know, be, like, more proxy-friendly, that sort of thing, uh, I would probably gravitate very much toward, like, how Epic works, where he's like, I'm going to pick an archetype that I enjoy. Because, again, I feel like the main core is just fun. Uh, but I also kind of like having that sort of name for yourself, even though it makes you much worse, right, actually in the metagame. Because if, if you go and sit at a table and someone knows what you're playing, you are at, like, a huge disadvantage if you don't know what they're playing. And, like, it's it's unbelievable. Which is sometimes fun because you can throw people for a loop if you play something entirely different. But, like, I remember this time I was playing at the Dutch Open series and my game was done and I uh, I was t chatting with my opponent and they're like, you know, we were talking about like the decks we were playing and like, did we have fun? Because he was playing Mono Blue Tempo. And like, yeah, that's usually my style. I play Legacy Delver too, that sort of thing. And I just talked to him and I said like, yeah, you know, I'm a... Uh, you know, I, pl I, I I was playing Grixis, obviously, and I was talking about, you know, it's a deck I enjoy, and it's a deck that I'm really known for locally. Like, I'm really kind of the Grixis guy. And one of the judges walks up, and he just, like, sort of points at me to the other guy, and it's like, yeah, that's true. <laughs> and it's just, like, one of the judges just knew me from all these tournaments playing Grixis, because he was also, like, in, like, the local area he played. And I thought, you know, that's kind of cool, making that sort of name for yourself. Um, I mean, yeah, I'm with you on that with having a name for yourself, of giving just an identity within the Magic community. Yeah, it's just cool, right? I, I, I like it when people see something Grixis related on Twitter and they just tag me. Yeah. It doesn't even have to be Pioneer. It just, someone mentions the word Grixis and I'm just tagged, right? I think that's cool. But to, to, to wrap back on like this extremely long-winded answer to a, you know, relatively shorter question... I value fun, like, a ton, even when it's slightly high stakes, and to maybe add a bit of pessimism to that, because I don't think that I'm good enough to win a big tournament anyway. Right? Being realistic, if I go to a GP, I do not go in expecting to top 8, because that's just not a realistic expectation to set. First and foremost, I always play Magic for fun. So if I have a deck that I'm enjoying the hell out of, and I'm like, yeah, hell yeah, I'm going to be playing this deck all day. You know, I'm lucky to be playing this deck all day. I value that way more. But all that leads to and requires, you need to spend a lot of time preparing. Yes, that's really where it comes down to. Yeah, like if the, the harder you make it for yourself to build a deck, you have to spend a lot of time prepping. Like, when I went to that GP, I spent, like, an ungodly amount of time prepping. Like, going through, like, all these strange sideboard techs I could find and testing them and going, like, then I playing, like, on X-Mage and that sort of thing. Getting a ton of reps in with strange tech, weird lines, optimizing your mana base. Because, like, 
you know, to like the percentage, getting in the Excel sheets, like everything. And that's the effort you then have to put in. Yeah. Right. Don't go to a tournament playing a deck you like and being poorly prepared because you're just going to like 04 drop and it's not going to be fun either. Yeah. Like I always have, always enjoy myself when I'm winning as well. That's that help. Yeah. Is when I know I'm with a deck, I am laughing, I'm having fun. But the moment I get like 03, it just it feels like it's the worst thing in the night. Like I expected, like, I know the capabilities of myself is I can do better than this. Maybe it was just bad match, but at that point, you need to ask yourself, was this the right selection, or is there, any, is there anything you could have done better? So you can always improve for next time. Well, yeah, exactly. Because like at one point. If you go into a meta where you feel like, I really like this deck, but I'm definitely going to 03, play something. 03 drop, play something else. <laughs> like, oh, yeah. Because even as much fun as your deck is, when you go to an eight round tournament and after three rounds you feel like leaving, that is like the shittiest feeling ever. And I, I've done that at tournaments. Where like, it'd go all day, I'm 03, and I'm like, yeah, fuck it, I'm going home. I've got something better to do. Another big thing is find yourself a community. Find yourself a community that are enthusiastic about working the type of the working on and that will carry a lot of the load that you're working on yeah and spread it out yeah it it shaves a lot of the prep time it does like i wouldn't be playing the deck i'm playing which is a six color fires of incarnation deck if it were for the discord and active people on that for people wondering it's called six colors because there's some eldrazi in so it's technically five colors plus colorless well, there is a basic waste. Yeah, and there, and there is a basic waste in to accommodate. So you get an extra option when fetching with the... Oh, you can now, from Time Spiral, you can finally get yourself a waste that actually looks like a basic. Oh, that's cool. Yeah, I just picked up a full art waste from an LGS near me. Very happy with that. So, Brad, do you have any, like, experience in this? You generally... You know, you own, like, every Pioneer deck under the sun. So I, I guess you can relate to this a bit less, but... I mean... I own every deck um, because I really take to heart the idea of like, okay, this is like from debate. So I I, I enjoyed debate a lot growing up, um, even though I never actually actively joined a debate club. There was none available for me, but I always would study it for school. Um, I would study the like debate philosophy and things like that. And I found it really interesting because I was always interested in the way the mind worked. And one thing about debate that's so awesome to me and such a great thing that I took to magic was that if you and I, Alex, are having a debate and it's on a particular topic, right, as a debate would be, um, even if I am arguing on behalf of the side that I do not agree with, I should still be able to beat you because either way, no matter which side I'm arguing for, I should learn and understand your argument better than you do. So if I look at a debate or if I look at a subject on like, let's say like one that I've used an example for kids at my school is should school uniforms be allowed, right? That's a, that's an easy one for them to kind of understand because they have to wear uniforms. So of course they're going to be vehemently against it. I can sit there, even if I am the person that does not agree with school uniforms being a thing, I can sit there and say exactly why they would be a good thing. And by me knowing your argument in favor of school uniforms when I'm the one that's arguing against it better than you do, 
it allows me not only to know exactly what you're going to be able to say to me as a combatant, but it's going to allow me to actually poke holes in your argument better and be able to actually kind of swing it back to my favor. The same thing is true for magic, where by being able to pilot and pilot efficiently every deck possible in a format, it allows you to see lines of play that you normally wouldn't if you just play against the deck a lot. If I just play against Alex's Grixis deck over and over and over again, which, I mean, to be fair, I kind of do uh, whenever we play test, then I'm not going to be able to kind of appreciate what his deck can do because I only see from my perspective here on the Pioneer perspective. But if I actually pick up Alex's deck, or at least a deck very similar to it, like I just got uh, the Demir control list, which is fairly similar to what you do. Uh, yeah. I'm just not playing red. By being able to play test with that and pilot that deck efficiently, it'll allow me to see lines of play that I normally wouldn't that Alex would have available to him when we're playing our games and would actually allow me to make better decisions because of that. So that's why I try to own as many decks as I possibly can because I want to play test with as many decks as possible and be able to beat them all. That's the main idea. So like uh, move away from the national question a bit because like, like this is interesting to get into. To what extent do you feel like watching people play helps? And then especially if we're talking like, for example, I feel like I could be a pretty good Junt player, but I've never played it. But I've watched Reed Duke play it a lot. So those like decision points, like I can see his hands as he plays. Like for the people who don't have like the money to buy nine decks, but do want to like find that way, like, hey, I want to get better at playing like against this type of deck do you feel like that does enough or is it really a step up to actually hold the cards yourself yeah i agree it's always a step up to uh, actually hold the cards yourself and make the decisions yourself however if you have a good idea of what the deck does already watching a skilled pilot show you how the deck works is an incredible tool to use i remember now, this is not, I've mentioned this before, this is not a player, and he will be the first to tell you that he is not someone you should take or be the end-all, be-all for magic advice. He's a po very popular streamer. It's Day9. I used to watch Day9 a lot when I got back into magic. And again, he's not the greatest player at all, but he takes his time and he tries to explain his line of reasoning and his thought process behind all of his plays as often as he can. And that helped me so much getting back into the game for understanding the basics and how things work and that's not even about specific decks that's just in general watching someone pilot decks and see how they approach it and if you go a step further and watch like alex said watching reed duke play jund someone who's so good at playing that deck another example is um, autumn burchett on mono blue or goblins they are fantastic with those decks and every and ross marion put it best the reason they're so great to watch with those kind of decks is because every decision they make is for a purpose, which sounds kind of obvious. Like that's what you're supposed to do, but they think similarly to chess so many moves ahead and they think about like the next eight lines of play and where that leads you. And that's how they, in which that's incredible for a deck like mono blue, for example, which is not an easy deck to pilot. That's one of those where it's like a, it's a budget deck and everyone's like, oh, I can pick up this $30 deck in standard and I can win tournaments. No, the f*** you won't. It is hard as hell to pilot. Yeah. I tried piloting that with no experience on like my first uh, 
standard back after getting back into magic when Amonkhet was re- rotating. And uh, it was when guilds came out. And I was like, yeah, I went, I went uh, two and three that night. And I was like, yeah, this is hard, dude. And I, and I, the games I've won was just like Tempest Gin. I'm just going to beat face and they don't have removal. That was how I won. It wasn't anything skilled. It was just, you got lucky. So to go back to your question, Alex, yes, it's a great tool to have and watching players play decks skillfully will always help you up your game. But to go that extra mile, getting the cards in your hand, or even just digitally playing, if you can play on Arena, rent it on Moto, use a thing like Untap or Cockatrice, or even hop on the server and use you know, proxies if you're able to. Um, all you need is a paper and a pen, as long as they're legible. Have fun. Or if you can print them, cool. That works great, too. But yeah, always being able to play the decks is what's the best thing. But to go back... I guess... I- I was gonna say go back to the original question. Yeah, because because I feel like having like a, well, I mean, I, I wouldn't call it a disagreement, but I, I do genuinely feel like if I would pick up modern, if I would have picked up modern Jund, I would have not even come close to learn as much from just watching, and I also feel like watching is a far more like efficient process. Because it take it, even like I can imagine that if I watch Reduke and I then go and play, like, 300 games of Jund, I would be, like... And having that starting point from Reduke would mean that after those 300 games, I am way better than if I would have played 500 by myself, right? Where, like, he's that stepping stone. But that is still, like, Reduke... Like, watching a couple of Reduke videos is, like, your first 200 games of Jund worth of knowledge. And then, like, the next 300 games to get to that next point is like a lot of time for a pretty small step, right? If it just comes to understanding a deck. And if like, if you've got a day off, you can maybe watch Nassif play one League of Blue-Eyed. But like, even, <laughs> even that is like, I feel like something you learn like much more efficiently from and is enough to understand the deck well to play against it. Like, I don't feel like you need to be a master of a deck in order to play against it effectively enough and like even um even when i was playing kethis for months and uh, i remember seeing um uh, ross marion play kethis on versus and i already been playing it for a while and i felt like i was pretty good at piloting the deck it, w- it was my favorite deck so of course i'm gonna like play it a f-ing lot i still sat down and watched him play kethis for two hours because i wanted to see what he could do with the deck and if there's anything i could learn from it like because there could have been a play that he and, and I think there were a couple of little niche things where he was like, oh, I could do this. And that's why I love versus live is how they talk through their plays like an actual play testing event. Yeah. Yeah. Or session and getting that little extra insight and just like having them kind of go back and forth on it is so cool, um, especially for a deck that if they happen to be playing a deck that you have or like to play or, or interested in playing, um, that's a great tool as well, because they're, they're two incredibly uh, bright people. Uh, both him and uh, Corey. But yeah, it's um when it comes down to like picking a deck based on how much you want to win versus how much you like playing the deck. I mean, you you are a little bit correct in saying I'm not the best person to ask for this because again, I, I like playing so many different decks. Um I like grindy decks the most. So I like grindy combo engine decks like Kethis. Um I probably would have liked KSI as well. Um 
KCI. KSI is the the, yeah, the you're, stupid. You're a bad uh, person. You're 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 a bad person, Brad. It's fine. I'm, KSI is the old clan on like Xbox Live days when I was like twelve. Everyone had like KSI blank as their name, and then like people would just randomly change their name to that. And they're like, "You're not even a KSI." It was just this. It was like a myth. It's like it's like the Illuminati. They weren't real. Um, but yeah, I, I would have probably played KCI um, and probably would have enjoyed the fuck out of that deck. Um, just like I, I really like Kethis. Let's just abuse this rule. <laughs> yeah, sure. It's magic, dude. Let me do. I mean, again, I I do have a habit of really enjoying decks that get banned. So Kethis, <laughs> Wilderness Reclamation got banned. I was uh, I was starting to actually like build Inverter, <laughs> and then it, then it got banned, and I was like, yeah, that's cool. That's that's really nice. Um, and I don't, but I don't think there's any other decks on the horizon to get banned. So I'm I'm kind of feeling good about that. But yeah, I like grindy decks. That's where my uh, my uh, my sweet spot is. That's where I feel comfortable. Now, you brought up a very interesting thing, though, Alex, and saying like, hey, even if you really like the deck, you have to understand that you're going to be playing this all day if you're going to an event. I would have killed myself playing Kethis in an event. Like, I would have straight up died. Fun fact, did you know that chess players, like world-class chess players, when they go to tournaments can burn up to 6,000 calories in a day just sitting there playing chess because of how efficient their brain is and how, like, how much they're using it. Wow. So think about magic. Magic is probably similar to an extent. It's probably not up to 6,000, but you imagine how much calories you're burning playing certain decks. I'm sure I would have been close to that 6,000 mark as uh, a Kethos player. I had the brilliant idea of playing, of taking Grixis Control to a GP. Yeah, that sounds horrible. I, my God... It was, I had to pee so badly at multiple times, but then I would be like the last last guy playing. Don't know if I still told this story on the cast, how I ended up with uh, Hararuya dice. Maybe? I've I've heard the story. I don't remember if it's been, dude, we've, we've been doing too many episodes. <laughs> I don't remember anymore. Yeah, and like you mentioned, it was basically you were on turns, the judge sat down. Yeah. Yeah, and the judge sat down and I like, well, the, like most, like, I didn't, those of my rounds didn't go to time, but they did go on for like very long. Cause this was also a standard where people had like the annoying habit of bringing in extraction effects against control. And it's like, I'm still going to win, but I only have one card to do it with now. <laughs> so like the matchups would take unbelievably long. And I had to like keep having to like. Extraction can be good if you could actually kill the opponent quickly. No, extraction effects are good against control if they rely on one card maybe two or combo decks but not if they got like three or four one-offs and you're just like yeah. sniping them one at a time yeah. um but uh so in that format it went on forever i one time went to an fnm where all my rounds went to time and i literally didn't like i had to like rush to the bathroom in between rounds and i knew like i can't be too long because this round's going to time like i already knew that before going into it and that is killing like when i was playing in that standard format i was very envious of people who played mono red aggro like wow you guys get to like have lunch <laughs> go to the bathroom like actually like see artists at the gp i'm just here playing magic and nothing else yeah and and that's a big thing for me and like uh, this isn't necessarily part of the question but like one tip that i've always had for people playing magic in like bigger events or like even if it's just like a like a online challenge which is a little different because you can just queue up. 
But if it's a, an event that it's timed and you have to participate in, like our webcam events, for example, like Crew 3 has one, we have some at Play, Play Away and things like that, like the Invitational coming up. In between rounds, when you have a chance to like step away, I always advise people to just not think about magic at all. Turn your brain off to it. Like don't even like it. I, I Sometimes you might be able to be like, if you know someone, you can talk to them like, hey, I did this whatever would you have done this but try to keep those conversations shorter and give your brain as much time to reset and not even think about magic because i found myself if i was going over plays or like thinking about my matchups or looking at other decks and trying to figure out like what i want to do restudying my cyborg guide whatever i played worse because i drained myself more um because i just was trying to do i was trying to cram essentially so yeah, I would play better if I just stepped away. I think a tip for people, if you feel like you're like missing a learning opportunity, yes. take a notebook. Right? People write tournament notes, not just to put on Twitter, but they also write them for themselves. Right? Just take quick notes like, mess this up, should do this next time, did this well, yeah. play around this, my opponent was lucky, I got unlucky, screw this game. Okay, now put your notebook away and like... Yeah, go do like I would. What do we just like? No, I do like chatting with my opponent after the game. Yeah, that's nice. I mean, you don't have much time. Unless I had a salty opponent playing control and I immediately walk away from the table, which I don't know if that makes me feel better or worse. Uh, like we had, we talked about this a couple episodes ago. Like if your opponent walks away angry from the table, did you do a good job or a bad job? Depends. I mean, if if they're just salty because of the deck, <laughs> I think you did a good job. If they're just salty because you were a dick. Uh, yeah, yeah okay like the, <laughs> the goal isn't to have your opponent walk away frustrated that's yes. for sure uh, except if they're being a dick then you're like oh yeah oh this is sweet this, oh yeah dude, this is amazing <laughs> justice <laughs> like every LGS has one of those I think right where, you, where you're happy to see them angry like I, I mean maybe that's just over here but I, I no 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 we 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 have okay. to, don't worry. Yeah, you're like, oh, thank God. He O2 dropped and just rage quit and left the store? Oh, hell yes. F*** that guy. <laughs> but now you have a buy. Oh, no, now I don't have to play against this person. And I could just walk oh, around. Oh, I would get so magic. happy when I had buys. And I'm like, oh, my God, free win. <laughs> oh, thank God. Hey, Nelson, can I get a, a drink and a snack? I'm going to enjoy these games. Nelson's a guy that worked at my LGS and... uh and he's, he's the one where you're like, if you trade in cards, he's like, I'll give you this amount for it. And you're like, and a drink. And he's like, yeah, sure. <laughs> <laughs> I loved it. It was my favorite shit. Sometimes be like drinking a snack. It's just at the $2 value that you're buying in bulk anyway. So it's like, you're not even losing money. He's like, when you put it that way, no, you get the drink though. <laughs> <laughs> I love my LGS. They're great. Too bad they're a f***ing Yu-Gi-Oh! and Pokemon store. Do you have anything else to add, Epic? I remember... No, I remember doing well when Mono Blue Tempo was a deck in stand. That was, that was a good time for it's me. A fun, it's a fun deck when you can actually play it. Oh yeah, it's a lot of fun. Especially when you play an event after preparing for like a month, month and a half after realizing that they switched the format on you. And then you say, okay, I'll just this. And then you only time you lose just to a whole bunch of hasty five force you can't 
I still have my uh, Playset of Tempest Gin all in different languages because that's all the stock that my LGS had when I built it the day of rotation of Amaket leaving. And I was like, yep, I'll take I'll take the Russian one. I'll take the Korean one. Give me the Japanese one. Oh, and the Spanish one. Sweet. Nice. That's actually kind of cool. Yeah. Dude, the Russian... I love R- Russian cards. If I can find them, they're one of my favorites to get. Russian and Japanese. Like, I, I have a place of Japanese Nissas. Not the Japanese art, but, like, Japanese just out-of-the-pack War of the Spark Nissas. And, uh... Whew, they're nice. They're so nice. But then sometimes I forget like exact text on certain ones that I own, like in Japanese, like my mayhem devils. How many times have we played Alex where I'm like, yeah, you take two and you're like, why? I was like, oh yeah, mayhem devils on sack. Not, not death. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Damn. If only I could read these cards. <laughs> Reading the guard explains the card. Well, that doesn't help if I can't read. <laughs> <laughs> that sign can't stop me. Cause I can't read. <laughs> <laughs> I've seen some people just instead of foiling out their decks, they just get an entire deck in Chinese instead. I don't know why. That's a big Yu-Gi-Oh thing. Uh, I I had a guy at my LGS. Well, I I, I ran into him at the. I wasn't a regular, but like I got talking to him at my LGS. He had blue-white control, and in, this was like two years ago. Where in modern, blue-white control was like a mess. I think it ran like seven different planeswalkers, all one-offs. Like it, it, it ran like one Gideon, one Jace Architect of Thought, one like Elspeth. Like it, it was just a a pile. Blue-white control was a literal pile at that point. He made it uh, a, a thing to get as many different languages as possible, and especially get like languages that he expects people not being able to read on more complicated cards with a lot of words like explains walkers just in the hope that his opponent would think like oh yeah i know what this does and then make a mistake because they forgot they misremembered what the card exactly did and at that point that made me realize like man unless i like go to a country where i can like get the card in the language of that country because i find that cool like my japanese disallow I'm getting my cards in English because I just feel like a dick. Because <laughs> that guy's like, man, this feels like a dick move to do to find your cards in different languages. Now I know a lot of people just do it because it's cool, but like that was my first experience with someone just being a dick. That's like, yeah, really common I'll get in them Yu-Gi-Oh. In English. Like when I played Yu-Gi-Oh, I knew so many people that would have like German cards, and you're like, do you have an English version? And, and they would like roll their eyes and kind of get annoyed. Because like they had to show you like what the card said, because they had plenty of people that just didn't, and then they and, and Yu-Gi-Oh, holy, f- we make jokes about green cards getting uh, like essays on them. Yu-Gi-Oh has to like lower like their print size to like literally a two on Microsoft Word to make sure it fits on those cards. I would love if I ever could, like came over to the states and we'd like you know go to like a store that has people like that. And they're like, ha, ah, my card is in German. And I'm like, joke's on you. I can read this. <laughs> yeah, you just kind of like just casually turn the card towards you and you're looking at it and, like, and just silently, like, okay. And you put it back and they're okay, like, sure. excuse me. <laughs> and then you then, then you just, you place your Shark Typhoon in German on the table and you're like, yeah. 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 <laughs> I have a German Shark Typhoon because the name is a pun. It's fantastic. Uh, I love it. Okay, but we are approaching 
three hours. We're at 240 right now, so we should probably wrap it up. So that means reminders out the door. My favorite part of the show because the list gets longer every episode. <laughs> All right. So again, we are the official podcast of the Playwood Discord server. If you want to hop in and join the server, you can go into the uh, description down below and join. Play some paper magic with us. Other TCGs. Alex and I have Yu-Gi-Oh decks. That's about it. Whatever. Hop in. Follow us on Twitter. Twitter. Alex, you have one. What is it? At Disciple of Bolas. And mine is Bradsford, the personal Twitter of the actual podcast. Why does it say that? What the f*** are my notes? It is going to be at Pio Perspective. You can also follow Playaway's uh, Twitter account, which is playing or come Playaway. Yep, at come Playaway. And you can also go on Twitch at Playing Away and then at Bradsford. Woo! We also have other podcasts. We are the Pioneer Perspective, of course. We offer all of our beautiful, wonderful, big brain thoughts on pioneer but we do have another podcast the sister podcast of the pioneer perspective called pondering pauper with cali kais and diego they're two wonderful people please go listen to them their new episode is out live right now right this second go listen it's great and there's merch we're great pile perspective we have playmats thank you to inked gaming with our wonderful partnership with them we have merch on there we have different various playmats our bestseller is a night out in magic featuring myself and alex with very large hands playing a game of magic with <laughs> nickel bolus nissa uh <laughs> kethis and monastery swift sphere looking over while fatal push is getting yoinked in the background epic do you have anything you want to plug if you want to find me I'm Sir Epic on the Playway Discord server. Um, I own the Enchantments Discord server, so free to reach out to me. I'm an admin on the Incarnation Discord server. So if you want to reach out about Pioneer Inc- Fires of Incarnation, feel free, or Incarnation General. Um, but that's it for me. Thank you. All right. Well, Epic, it was wonderful to have you on. You are a wonderful friend of the show. I was going to say uh, thank you for having you on the show. because uh... And. Oh, what's that? There's a. There's another quick plug we have to do. Next Sunday, which is, you know, this episode should be out, but then we have, as mentioned before, the Pioneer Invitational from uh, the Playaway Discord server. Epic will be playing in it with his six-color fi- six incarnation. Um, I won't be. As it, I won't be, even though I qualified, because Brad and I will be casting. And my new microphone should arrive by then. I've got a new webcam, so I should not look like a ghost when we get to the evening part because it gets too dark and the lighting is bad. That should hopefully be fixed and my sound should be better, which can be a good or a bad thing, depending on if you like my voice. It's going to be wonderful. Hopefully it's not seven and a half hours straight like it was last time. I've seen the deck list. It will be. Oh, yeah. (laughs) We've got just to give you. I'll have a very quick, just an overview for the people, what, what they're going to be able to watch. It's going to be like a nice grind fest, that's for sure. Yeah. Um, we have the invitational deck lists. We have six color Enigma Fires from Epic. We have blue-white control, blue-red prowess, okay. We've got blue-white Sphinx's revelation, elixir of immortality control for a nice Ravnica throwback. Four color fires, the Immortal Sun whipping out Gruul Dinosaurs again, so I'm rooting for him again to just, like, not even just because Dinosaurs is cool, but if he wins, that probably means the Invitational doesn't last for seven and a half hours. Um, then we've got Hospower playing Mono Black Vampires, and we've got Golgari Stompy. It's note to that first goal deck is playing Approach to the Second Sun. Oh, yes. So we've got, we've got a mix of aggro and control, 
but we do have like the dirtiest of control. <laughs> so. Yeah, and and the aggro decks we have aren't really like kill you by turn five aggro. They're like we can no we've we've got no Beaumont courier decks. Yeah, right? we can, we can go big too, and we can grind you out too. Like the the prowess deck is probably the fastest one, but they still have Stormwing to scry. They have Treasure Cruise, like lie at the stage to like grind you out and like have good card advantage. So yeah, because we've got something like. Oh yeah, but I'm playing mono black, so I'm not that fast. We're gonna play Champion of Dusk and draw three cards, and then Scratch is gonna be cool. Rev for seven on your end step. And it's like, so whatever grind they can do, the other decks could do it better. So yeah, and then they get to swing in with their gifted Aetherborn, and be like, "Ha, I gained two. And they're like, "Cool, yeah, good I job, gained buddy." Those two right back, cause you know, yeah. Fun. So a lot oh of different decks, a lot of good pilots, especially fun that we're going to see some pilots that are known for certain decks, right? Scratch is known as our blue white as a blue white player. Uh, Immortal Sun being on his dinosaurs list that he has performed consistently on. Uh, Uncle Drew is like, you know, his deck is his black green stompy deck. Uh, as she said, like Epic is an admin on the uh, Fires of Incarnation uh, Discord server. So, you know, definitely someone who knows his stuff too. So we just got a lot of people piloting like the decks they would be they they're really known for. So it's gonna be fun. And I believe the last time it was a it was Fires that won last time, right? Yes, that was Jeskai Fires. But it was just, Super Friends, not Yes, with Sarkon. Uh, yeah. But this four color fires, just to let you know, is the traditional with uh, you know, Agent of Treachery, Transmogrify, Luca. Yeah. That is the uh Oh, the classic. So this should be fun. People getting yoinked, people getting thoughtsies, people getting ground, uh, you know, ground out. People getting their land stolen on turn three. Oh, uh, you you love to see it. But with that, we hope to see you join us on Sunday. We hope to have you back next week to listen to us ramble on some more. And might as well say now, Alex and I are working on a, another podcast together with a very special friend of mine, and uh, we'll be doing that with her, and we should have that come out. Fairly soon. That one's gonna be a lot easier to edit. No, yes, not this is magic not magic related. related. Purposely, if you feel like this podcast is rambly and off-topic and random at times, and you're like, I wish it was more of that, then you should probably tune into our other podcast once we have it. Yes, it's gonna be fun. It's gonna be great, and uh, yeah, we hope to see you there as well. But with that, thank you so much for listening. We appreciate all your support, whether it's through Reddit, through the server. Twitter, DMing me, saying I suck at magic, whatever. We love you, and we hope to have you back next week. Bye-bye. Bye. Bye Bye-bye.